welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, February 5th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. Phone lines are open. I'll give you that phone number. Calls are already starting to come in. Jump in and join us. 855-950-3835 or use the call now button on your app. That'll get you in here as well. Uh, it is a free-for-all. At the bottom of the hour, Brent Hutto will be joining me. We'll give you some updates on what's going on in the industry with rates and lanes. We may talk about the CMC coming up. But in the meantime, jump in and join us. I've got a couple things here while we're getting some calls screened. Um, one of the big ones, this this new ruling by the Department of Labor about who is an independent contractor and who isn't. Uh, I have been fighting this ruling since the first day that I saw it, and I'm shocked at how much pushback I get in the trucking industry from owner-operator groups that are actually supporting this bill. And I just... Uh, I think it was last Friday afternoon, I had some time and I was sitting around waiting for something else. And I saw a space online that was about this. And there were some people in there I knew and um, I jumped in and I started talking about it and somebody was screaming at me, you have to stop lying to people. You're lying to people. You're telling them that if this passes, they won't be able to lease their, car- their truck to a carrier. That's not a lie. And when I tried to explain to him that this is nothing more than the federal version of AB5, there are several trucking groups that are trying to convince people that it's not. And it it doesn't, the Department of Labor ruling does not specifically spell out the ABC test, but it is clearly written just like the ABC test in AB5, and it's the B prong of the test we're worried about. And just because it doesn't say that it has an ABC test, listen to this. This is what the um, Department of Labor has come out and admitted. The U.S. Department of Labor admits in this rule there may be conceptual overlap because the department's proposed integral factor and prong B of the ABC test. That's the most destructive language to legitimate independent contractors in the ABC test. The Department of Labor is is admitting that they have a rule, they call it their integral factor, that is the same concept as the B prong of the ABC test. But for some reason, these groups have lost their mind. They're screaming at me. You're lying to people. No, no, I'm not lying to people. They're telling us it's the same concept. And it is absolutely the most destructive concept because it really has nothing to do with whether or not somebody is acting and working as an independent contractor. That should only be determined by that person's business model, this weird idea that a company can't use independent contractors for its primary purpose. Why not? That, that it's not logical. It makes no sense. It has nothing to do with this issue. 
they put this wording in there because it allows them to virtually eliminate the use of independent contractors. That's what's happening in California. That's what will happen if this bill, it's not even a bill, it's a ruling. Because this isn't Congress. They can't write laws. They can make rulings, which is worse because it's not even clear. But this is horrible for the trucking industry and it is absolutely horrible for our economy. We are not, not even close to being the only industry that this is an issue for. There are hundreds of, of, of industries and occupations that, and businesses that use independent contractors. The model works really well. I don't know why we want to get rid of it. The, the issue you have to be aware of when you're reading government rulings is not necessarily what they write in the ruling. It's what they don't write. That's the problem with this. There is nothing in this ruling that I can find anywhere. And I've dealt with this issue for almost 40 years. I went through an IRS audit in my second year in business about this because I I classified my first driver as an independent contractor because everybody told me that's how I should do it. When I went through the audit and had it explained to me, I realized I was wrong that that person that I hired was an employee. Based on all of the rulings up until that point, I immediately changed from that day forward, every driver I ever hired, I hired as an employee because it was the right way to do it. Now, in our business today, we have a mix. We have employees and we have independent contractors. And it's because it is the right way to do it. We're only classifying the people as independent contractors who actually qualify to be independent contractors. But this type of ruling would eliminate that. So here's an example. We are in the business of giving nutritional and health advice, which means under an ABC test or the Department of Labor's new ruling, We cannot use independent contractors for that function because that's what we do as a company. Now, if we want to use independent contractors to do our printing, we can do that. If we want to use them to do our marketing, we could do that. But we can't use them to give health and nutritional advice. Well, that's what we do. Why can't we? Just because that's what we do, how does that work? Because the idea is, the, the rules we've always used to be, determine an independent contractor had nothing to do with this issue, nothing at all. And this is the issue that we all have a problem with because it's nonsensical. There's no logic behind it. So we were using an independent contractor to give health and nutritional advice. We hired Lauren. Lauren works independently And under this type of ruling, we would not be allowed to do that. And that's the problem. But it's, again, I'm going to go back to you have to be able to understand what they didn't write into the bill. And here's what they didn't put in here. There is no clear way to determine who is an independent contractor or not. And without a clear way to know, then you're always at risk. And the government has total freedom to say, nope, you're not an independent contractor with no real logic. 
And the whole idea of we don't even need a ruling on this one. We don't even need court cases. It's going to happen. But if they make it clear enough the way they did with the B prong, you just can't use an independent contractor to do what your company does. That eliminates, wow, I'm just going to throw out a guess. In trucking, it eliminates almost 100% of the independent contractor use. In some other industries, it may not be that high, but in trucking, it certainly would be darn close. So I'll, uh, I'll keep you updated on that. Um, one of the issues here is we could very likely get a ruling here late in the game this year and then immediately have it changed and overturned again because we're in an election year and this could easily be overturned because it's not really a law. It's a ruling. And that's, what, that's what's already happened in Trump's, I believe it was his final year in office that he got um, the current ruling strengthened in a good way, but within, I think it might have been in the first week or the first month of the Biden administration, they announced that they were going to push for this new ruling for the Department of Labor. Again, this is a huge problem with our system that we allow all these alphabet soup agencies to have this much control, and then we have to deal with going back and forth uh, every time an administration changes. All right, I had a couple other things on here, but uh, I think I'm going to get some phone calls, find out what's on your mind today. Let's get started in Virginia. Scott, welcome. Hello. Yep, are you with me? Yeah, I got you, Kevin. Hey, how you doing? Good. What can I help you with today? Good. Hey, uh, we got cut off Friday. I was talking to you about uh, my diet. You had to run because of a truck emergency or something, something blocking the highway there by your shop or something. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, I, I forgot uh, about yeah. that. It, uh, <laughs> yeah. He was definitely <laughs> blocking the whole ramp, and when I got down there, he had disconnected uh to try to reset or something well he kind of got too close to the guardrail with the tractor the uh it was a triaxle trailer it was all the way over in the other side of the ramp up against the guardrail so once he got unhooked though there was snow underneath it he couldn't get hooked back up again and it wow was, uh, okay yeah well part of his problem was he had his landing gear up too high so it wasn't putting any weight down on the tractor as he was trying to back under the pin. So he kept sliding. Oh, yeah. So I went over and yep. I said, let's lower the trailer a little bit, help with the track. So, yeah, it was uh, by the time I got down there. You know what? There's, there's something else I want to talk about. So I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. Um, so not only, you know, is he could have used a little more experience, I mean, I'm standing there looking at his drive tires as he's trying to back under this trailer, and they there's no way they're serviceable. I mean, they're, they're right down to that. Maybe they're down at the 230 seconds, but they're they're in bad shape, wow. and it's winter time. I know, so I'm, I'm a little wow. pissed about that. But by the time I get down there, the fire chief's already there. Um, DOT pulled up right after I got there. So as I'm standing over there by the tractor and DOT and the fire chief and Lisa are about 50 yards away talking, I'm thinking, I really hope the DOT walks over here and takes a look at these tires. And so right. I, we get the guy out. And then when he pulls straight, he gets out and he's looking around everything. And I walked over and I, 
you know, the DOT guy said, well, he's out, I'm going to go. And I hesitated. I, I, I really wanted to say, go look at his tires. You know, I struggle between this whole idea. I was raised in an era where you don't tattle. You know, that, that, that was just kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not so sure that's a good thing. I don't want to run around pointing out everything everybody's doing wrong. When it's so blatant like that and it's a safety issue, I, I didn't say anything. And as I was driving away, I thought I should have. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, when it comes to tires, I mean, just because that could be such a huge safety issue out on the road. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I'm with you. I mean, I have a hard, I have a hard time. I have a hard time telling on people, too, so uh, I get it. You know, th- I but, could point uh, out at least three mistakes that were made that created a problem and a safety hazard. And the first one is where he decided to try to turn around or make this turn. I couldn't even figure out exactly what he was trying to do. I think he came in the wrong way, and then the turn he had to make, it shouldn't have been too sharp. He, he could have easily gotten around this corner, but he didn't. I think he was right. actually heading down the ramp before he decided to turn around, and that's how he got screwed up. He should have just went down the ramp, went to the next exit, turned around and came back, but he didn't. That starts the problem. The next problem are the bad yeah. tires. He, he, he got stuck trying to get turned around. Then the next problem is not enough experience to realize you're not going to get under that trailer cranked up that high on the ice. It, it, so it just compounds yeah. itself, and it just shows the, the quality of our training these days with drivers is pretty awful. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, that guy, that guy should have, uh, I mean, he shouldn't even have been riding on them tires if he'd have done, an, if he'd have done a, a pre-trip. I mean, you know, that's but, what, I'm not saying I'm the best at doing pre-trips, but you know, I at least check my lights, I check my brakes, I check my tires, I check the stuff that, you know, if something was to go wrong with this stuff, I could kill somebody. And let's think about this for a second, Scott. Checking your lights, doing the walk around. I get it. Nobody does a full pre-trip every morning. We, we just don't. Come on. Nope. Um, and right. a good right. driver or owner-operator honestly doesn't need to. If you're in tune right. with your truck, you know what's going on. You check the obvious stuff, like you said. But tires, come on. Tires don't wear out in a day. It's not like a light. You know, we've all had the experience yeah, right. you walk around, you do your pre-trip, all your lights are working, you get pulled into the scale, and one of them isn't anymore. I mean, that happens all the time. That doesn't happen with tires. Tires take a long right. time to right. wear out. You have known for a very long time that you don't have a whole lot of tread left. Well, and even in a case like mine, I'll give you a perfect example of that. Uh, the company I run for, they run super singles, and... I kept looking at this super single since I got in the truck and I was like, man, that super single just does not look right. And sure enough, a few weeks later, I mean, and I, I looked at it every day and I was just like, something's going to happen with this tire. And sure enough, going down, and you know, super singles don't blow very often, but I'll tell you what, I'm going down 81. Boom. It was that exact same super single that I had told myself, man, this tire does not look right. Something's going to happen to it. Boom. It blew. Luckily, nothing major happened. I got it changed, but. You know, you see that stuff, like you say, a tire, you have to notice that over, you know, weeks or months, not just one day, it's not going to wear down. So, yeah, exactly. But, uh, all right. What's all right, on so your mind today? question from, uh, off on Friday, uh, I had asked you about, um, supplements that I should, uh, be taking as far as, uh, getting on the, uh, going, 
you know, full-blown carnivore, and you had said that you did not have a, you guys don't have a kit as far as like daily supplements, but you thought you should put one together. Well, I was driving, so I didn't get exactly what you said, but I think you gave me four supplements that should be a daily thing that I should take as far as just like that you recommend uh you had said you you know you should talk to your team and put them in a kit and sell them on the on the site but uh i wanted to get so i wanted to get i think there were three or four supplements that you had said I, one was the brain octane i couldn't remember the other ones yeah um me, and then i got another question on top of that sure and one other thing to remember uh if i give an answer out over the air and you don't catch it you can always go back on the app uh well, you didn't have the, the show. Yeah, the show was not posted from Friday. I don't know if they just didn't oh, really? post it because you had to run or what. So, yeah, it wasn't. It was the, it, uh, the latest I could go back was the first, and I think we talked on the second, second, third, fourth. Huh. But, yeah. I need to make sure. And the sure second's not online. Yeah, the second's sure we not get, up. There. Well, we get I that say up. it's not up, up, up. Yeah, it's not online on uh, when I go into my Apple podcast anyway. Uh, I don't know about Apple Podcasts. If there's some reason why it might not update um, on the app, I mean, it should pretty, be there. But I'll, they, I'll go back and make sure. I was going to so, say they they stay pretty they stay pretty updated on Apple as far that's as what I've I been, thought it's, when I've been listening. It's yeah. all automated, so it's, there's nothing we right. specifically do to have it show up on Apple. Once we put it up on our app, then it goes out to the other services. Yeah, uh, I didn't know if just because you had to run, they decided not to post that 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 uh, show so. or what. But I don't think so because we. I mean, we there's still quite some good information on that show. So yeah, yeah, right, right. All right, so the the daily and most of these go right into my coffee. Uh, so the three of them go right into my coffee. That's why it's so easy and I don't miss it. And the other one is my daily afternoon drink. So it's really easy for me. I, I am horrible at taking supplements. Even when I know I need to, oh. it, I just I skip days. I forget about it. Uh, so this yeah, works good for me. So in the coffee, we put light balance. Light balance? Yep, light balance. That's our mineral okay. replacement. For some reason, we have found that when you start eating keto or carnivore, it's harder to keep your minerals uh, in balance. I think one of the mistakes we still make, um, we, we've kind of been brainwashed about salt, and I just don't think we get enough salt. When, you know, when we go to real food, Real food yeah. doesn't have a lot of sodium in it to begin with, where all of the processed crap that we eat all the time is loaded with salt. Um, I think we actually create a salt deficiency because we're afraid to heavily salt our food. Uh, I started changing that. Yeah. I, I really salt a lot of things heavily now. But we have found that yeah, light balance really takes care of this. So uh, okay. light balance, okay. uh, brain octane. That goes in the coffee yep. and the vitamin DK yep. drops. Vitamin DK drops? Yep. So that's what goes in my coffee every morning. And then after I finish okay. my coffee, I usually, uh, early afternoon, I usually make uh, one big cup of Cardio Miracle. And that's the fourth supplement. Okay. Um, and on the coffee, it doesn't. It doesn't come in like a K-cup, does it, for the, for the uh, cure? You, you have to actually make that in a pot. The um, the mushroom coffee, yeah, yeah, that's uh, it comes in ground coffee, right? Or we might have some in whole beans, but none in pods. Okay. Hey, okay. I, I will tell you, I love the the Keurig machines. 
No doubt about it. I, I, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of brewing a whole pot of coffee. It's never as good. Uh, I am a big fan of the quality and taste of coffee coming out of a Keurig. But I don't like the idea of all those disposable K-cups either. So we, we yeah, do I hear you. I hear you. use uh, a reusable uh, K-cup. So we don't use yeah, the pods. Yeah, I have. I've, yeah, so I've both Lisa that. and I... She drinks the decaf calm version of the mushroom coffee. I drink the think okay. version, and we just buy it in the ground and just fill our own K-cup. I've also got a, uh, I did a cool Kickstarter thing. They've got this little coffee grinder, uh, and I think I'm going to be getting it soon. I think they may have just shipped it. I did this like a year and a half ago. Um, I supported it on Kickstarter. It's this little coffee grinder, and it grinds right into... Mm-hmm the uh, permanent k-cups so you can get the good quality you oh, can nice. even get gold um really clean instead of like plastic or whatever else and um you put them in yep. this little yep. coffee grinder and you throw in your beans and it grinds it and fills the cup for you oh perfect and do you suggest the mushroom coffee is that what you suggest i do that's all i've been drinking um boy, okay. it's been almost a year now okay all right. So I'll and and one of the store. strategies, and like I said, I, I tend to focus on the one um, version of the coffee. The difference in the coffees are which adaptogen mushrooms are in there. We have adaptogen mushrooms that are good okay. for our immune system. We have adaptogen mushrooms that are good for inflammation and some other things. We have adaptogen mushrooms that are good for our brain and our, our thinking process. I tend to focus on okay. that one. I mean, that's, that's the one I drink just about every morning. But I also recommend people okay. rotate between them because all the different blends have different benefits. Okay, okay. All right. And then um, what about uh, – I suffer from heartburn real bad. Do you think, the, uh, you think going carnivore is going to help that? I, would, I, I wouldn't try any sub- – well, here's what I would say. If you're going to eat carnivore, I would add the, um, um, the betaine plus. That's our hydrochloric acid. I wouldn't say that you need the whole um, heartburn kit, um, but I would add the betaine. The reason being, you're going to be eating more meat than normal, and meat needs really strong stomach acid. And between the carnivore yeah, and yeah. adding the betaine, you'll probably see that your heartburn goes away. And if not, we can do a, a you know, rebuild your stomach acid kit later. But I'd give it 30 days. You may not okay. need it. Yeah, because I've been, I mean, I've, I, my heartburn's been so bad over the last 30 years. I mean, I've, of course, I've been taking that, all that heartburn medication, but I've, I've just, after listening to your show and reading about stuff, I'm just like, man, I got to get off these medications. So, yeah, let's, let, and I, just, you know, I, I do believe in supplements, but I also believe in let's give the body a chance to do this on its own first. Okay. All right. All right, and then my next question, on and I, I kind of know what your answer is going to be already, but I got a bunch of buddies. Uh, I'm into working out pretty hard, and um, a bunch of my buddies have been talking to me about uh, they're on this testosterone replacement therapy. What are your thoughts on it? My version of testosterone replacement therapy is eat ribeyes and eggs and lift heavy stuff. I promise okay. you, if you stick with that, eat ribeyes and eggs and a lot of animal products and a lot of good fats and you work out lift heavy stuff um, your testosterone levels will be significantly better than all of your friends who are trying to take the fake replacement therapy okay all right 
all right, I just wanted to make sure that that was, that was going to help because uh, they've been uh, a bunch of buddies of mine. They've been, it's almost like they're salesmen now for it. So I'm just like, well, hold on, man. Let me, let me, let me look into this and try something different. Cause I hate putting medication into my body. So, uh, and, and I, I am, uh, you know, not only medication, these are hormones we're messing with and everything right. about our health comes down to hormones, our, our weight loss or gain, muscle loss or gain. I, I'm just not a fan of messing with hormone <clears throat> levels. We've never been very good at it. The outcomes are not that yep. great. Some people see some benefits in the beginning, but I've also seen a lot of downsides and, and we, can, we can do better the right way. Um, I, I've tested this. My testosterone levels when I'm on carnivore are on the high side for an 18-year-old. It's just not that hard. Okay. This idea wow. that we naturally wow. lose testosterone and muscle mass as we age is bullshit. We lose. It, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It absolutely happens right. to the standard American who's eating the standard American diet. We do lose testosterone yep. and muscle mass and we feel yep. bad because of it but the way to get it back is what i just said eat a lot of animal products and lift heavy stuff okay all right well i'm gonna go that route i'm definitely gonna go that route so um, all right well that's all i got today so i appreciate i appreciate your input man i appreciate all the info you put out for us man it's great i love it i've only been listening to you for a couple months but you've done changed my life already so excellent well welcome to the tribe thanks kev all right. Talk to you soon. Let's uh, let's go to Illinois. Dale, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, I had a question about uh, B Team Plus. I started Thursday in the Cardio Miracle. I uh, took uh, four pills of the uh, B Team Plus and uh, two glasses of the Cardio Miracle, and I got sick as a dog on that um, I had heartburn wait hold on a, hold on a second wait, I, I, hold, yeah. hold on was was there food involved here well um, whenever I uh, took the betaine um, I took it at at lunchtime and then the then the second dose of it a few more pills was at supper time. And the Carter Milk Miracle was probably at least 40 minutes uh, before that. And then the second glass of Carter Miracle was at bedtime. When did, the, uh, when did the heartburn occur? Later on that uh, evening, uh, probably about midnight is when I started feeling really bad. It burnt so bad, I, I couldn't stand it. Uh, so I had to... I, so, along with that, then I got feeling dizzy, lightheaded, sick, and I was bloated terribly. So the next day, so that would have been Friday. I felt like that all day Friday. So I didn't take any anything else. I didn't take any more betaine or any, any cardio miracle. By Saturday, uh, I wasn't feeling dizzy or lightheaded anymore, and the bloating had went down. And so I decided, well, I want to see what will happen if I take some more betaine plus but i only took one betaine plus uh, with breakfast probably 10 to 15 minutes later i started getting uh heartburn really bad again so i haven't took anything else since and so, i feel 110 times better 
now than I did before. So if you don't take anything right now, no, no betaine, no cardio miracle, would you have heartburn? No. Well, then don't take it. I don't have I, I thought we were taking the betaine because you were having heartburn issues. Uh, no, <clears throat> we were taking it to help digest uh, the fat better is what you told me. No, I, I wouldn't have recommended betaine for fat. Betaine is a, a low stomach acid. It doesn't have any impact on fat at all. If we wanted better fat digestion, we'd be looking at beta plus. Um, just stop all the supplement. Now, try the car- go back to the cardio. Drop the betaine. If you're not having heartburn, then we, we don't need betaine. Uh, maybe I had a misunderstanding about what the symptoms were, what you were eating. or But if it's fat digestion, well, uh, I, I got that one wrong. Yes, because yeah, I had told you I had uh, threw up what looked to be like fat. Now, uh, now I remember. Like that, that's why. Uh, if we're vomiting because of fat, that means it, it is our stomach reacting poorly. Um, once the food gets to where it should be digested as fat, you can't really vomit anymore. It's out of the stomach. It, it's moved down into the pancreas. So if you told me that you were vomiting after eating too much fat, then I may have recommended the betaine. Now that makes sense. Um, that's a pretty unusual situation. Normally, when people eat too much fat, it causes diarrhea and stomach pain, but not vomiting. So when I heard you, you were vomiting because of too much fat, that did sound like weak stomach acid. But I, now that I hear the reaction, I don't think it was. I have no idea what it was. It may just have been too big of a load of fat at one time. Um, and there's not a whole lot we can do for that in your stomach, uh, other than cut okay. back on the fat until your body maybe adjusts to that level. Uh, so I, I would that, stop the betaine, keep doing the cardio miracle, and then let's see what happens. Well, I'm uh, half afraid to try. <laughs> I'm half afraid to, to keep trying the cardio miracle with a full dose, or even I, as bad as I got uh, bloated from from drinking that. And well, but, from the symptoms I found on the internet, the side effects were bloating. Lightheadedness, dizzy, nausea. Symptoms of what? Did, well, hold, on, hold on, Dale. What did you search for on the internet that you found these symptoms? Cardio miracles, side effects. And that's what they uh, showed was uh, light, dizzy, lightheadedness. And that's everything that I was feeling. And, uh, yeah. I was, if that's the case, I didn't know what it, it, if that's the case, then we've got to dig. And I will tell you this. We are, we are probably one of the biggest retailers of Cardio Miracle, and we have not had a single case of that. Not one. I have no idea what site that's coming from or who's reporting that, but if that were the case, I'm pretty sure we should have at least somebody. You're the first one that's ever reported that. My thought was the problems were caused more by the betaine and the cardio at the same time. Um, if, okay, if, if, you, if you take cardio alone and you have all those symptoms you just described, then we got to dig deeper and find out why, because that, that's just not normal. Should I can, I'll try it again, the cardio, the betaine, I don't want to mess with, because it felt like I was breathing. No, I, I just, Dale, I said, oh, drop, drop the betaine. Yeah. That, that's what I said. Right. I, I, we were trying, yep. now that you reminded me, we were trying it because I was, stumped that you were throwing up from too much fat that's an unusual situation too so we were just trying the betaine now i remember why you got a horrible reaction from the betaine drop that 
Let's try the cardio. If you have that reaction again, we're going to have to figure out why, because you should not react that way. Okay. And would you think that uh, the detain was probably the, the whole reason I was feeling it? Probably not necessarily the cardio. That, and that's probably taking them too that, close together. That's my guess. And the only way we have to know now is to test that theory. Okay. I will, uh, I will do that and, uh, and let you know. Cause I All was right. kind of confused on how and why I was feeling like I was because I sure wasn't expecting to feel the way I did, you know. So. All right, let's okay. give that a shot we'll and see that, what sir. happens. Thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Let's go to Massachusetts. Oh, hold on, Hi, Todd. Kevin. Sorry, Todd. Yep. I got to put you back in the queue. I wasn't paying attention. That half hour flew by. It's time to bring in Brent Hutto, and he's sitting there patiently waiting, and I just... Did it again. Sorry, Todd. I'm putting you back in the queue again. I'm going to go down to this call. Brent, good morning. <laughs> well, good morning, KR. <laughs> it must you? be Monday. Well, I, it was fascinating. You're talking to that gentleman about uh, his health and about the, uh, the, over, the issue with some type of overinfluence of fat and him uh, having uh, vomiting issues. It's, uh, it's fascinating. I always learn so much when you talk about nutrition. So, uh, I just appreciate your, your heart towards that for truckers because that's a big part of being successful in business, man. If you're not healthy and you can't drive, it's hard to make money. You know, it, that was the, the final idea that kind of convinced me to, to go down the mm-hmm. health path. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it. I thought it was going to be a big distraction for us. And um, it, it was that thought that, look, if you don't have your health, what good is, um, you oh, know, a good, good financial yeah. picture yeah. or a business or a, a Really, the phrase that got me, um, there's a a quote that got me, and the quote was, I want to make sure I don't butcher this, Um, a healthy person has a thousand Hmm. wishes, an unhealthy person only has one. Oh, wow. I've never heard that. That's a good one, man. That's a really good one. That's the one that got Uh, me, and and it, it hit me that, Nothing, you know, and I think I heard it right around the time that Steve Jobs was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and dying. And I thought, I I promise you, if there was a way he would trade everything he has and every dollar to make that go away. Well, for sure. Yeah. Uh, That's a, that's a, it's a loud, it's a loudspeaker for all of us that um, the most valuable thing you have is time and your health is related to time. And so paying attention to this beautiful machine that, and what I believe that God made, if you pay attention to that machine and you, you operate it to the, to the best health it can be, then you get to enjoy as many days as possible, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm with you, man. That's, yeah, that, that's Steve Jobs. Wow, that's a, that's a smack in the face right there. The guy that, in a sense, has all the money in the world, right? Yeah. And couldn't, yeah. couldn't add one single day to no. life. And like I said, mm-hmm. had had the offer been available, we'll take mm-hmm. away the cancer and make you healthy again, but you got to give up everything. I'm sure he would. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Oh, yeah. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't we all? Yeah, to, to be with the people that we uh, that we appreciate and love, man. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, great, great point. No, I just appreciate that because I think that a lot of times in, in when we're you know, as business people, especially in the transportation industry, um, and if you're on the truck driving in, it can be real, real easy and comfortable to not pay attention 
to your health because it's not like a driving thing that, you know, that, that the, the industry is talking about other than you. It's really, there's a few people talking about it. They're really talking about how that relates into this, this successful thing. I know large fleets look at it because obviously they got to insure their drivers. And so they're, they're, they're interested, certainly interested, but um, that's a big deal. Absolutely. So uh, what's on your mind this morning? Well, what's on, what's on my mind is um, a lot of interesting things. Let's talk about freight first. I tell you, let's, talk, let's, get, let's, get, let's take the business. And remember, remember back during the days when uh, we first started this uh, every week relationship of being on your show, and, and uh, you guys gave me the song from Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood, and you started calling me Dr. Feelgood because they had everything was just like, you know, everything was sun- sunshine and roses, you know, <laughs> or, as Bar- or as Barney might say, lollipops and fairy tales, right? Rainbows and, and uh, unicorns. The market was so good. That's it. <laughs> the market was so good that, and, 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 and well-deserved for, for the trucking industry who was doing everything they could to help America survive a pandemic. So, I mean, well, well, well-deserved and well-earned by this industry. And so, you know, we went through this really unbelievable cycle of over two years, Kevin, Two years. Now, the usual trucking ups and downs don't last that long, right? So, but we went through over two years of really good market for anyone that's moving freight, whether you're a carrier, whether you're a broker, if you're moving freight, and it didn't matter, it's all segment. It could be, it could be the, the, the hotshot expedited. It could be, it didn't matter if you were on the water, if you were in the air, you were killing it. But now you fast forward into January of 2024, now February of 2024, and the market has, has been normal for over a year, and it feels a little painful because it's all the way back down to normal. But what's interesting, since, since January 1st, the first month, and I measured this, I look at this, I look at the high point of loads that are posted on the, the truck stop load board. And, I, and I'm not trying just to promote truck stop, but we are, I'll, there's two large players in the market, us and our good competitor. And, and so, so, we, so there's two people that see all the spot market. And I, I look at, I look at the, the load posting volumes every single day and i always look at the high point in the week and since january we've been anywhere from 10 to 25 percent above the the historic normal so we've got plenty of freight in the marketplace for people to move so that's that's the key but there's other things going on like like the the the, the pressure in the market has, is pretty good right now the, the market demand index that we've been putting out for 20 years is good it's above it's about 50 it was 61 last week which is good but that favors the carrier uh, you've got uh, so that favors the carrier. The loads favor the carrier, um, but rates dropped again. So they dropped from an average of 236 last week, which you and I talked about, to 231. That's overall rates. The big drop has been in refrigerated. In the last two weeks, it's dropped 32 cents in two weeks per mile, right per mile. So flatbed is, is, is at 237, vans at 207. But they all three, all three segments, the biggest, the, the dominant segments decreased rates decreased fuel went up one cent so maybe that was a little bit of an influence on it but here's another thing that blows my mind kevin this is nothing that i look at so you got you got volumes are good the pressure in the market's good so that should favor carriers low volume should favor carriers rates are, are went down which doesn't favor carriers but the outbound tender reject index which is the measurement of the contract freight rejections in the market in other words the the contract freight that gets renegotiated um, if it's if it's five percent or above, it starts to benefit the carrier. Well, it's been above five percent for the last three weeks. I know. So we got these sort of you know ups and downs right now, which which kind of it's kind of like a little. Uh, I'm a little uh, confused, not confused. I'm a little curious. Let's just say curious 
as to where it's going to go. I'm looking for rates to start increasing, although I don't look for that really quickly. But so it's just interesting where you've got contract rates that should. So, so when, let me, let me, I want to make sure I, I clarify this. When contract freight is rejected, that means the price that it was negotiated at is rejected. And if it's above 5%, historically, some of that freight comes to the spot market, which makes prices go up. Now, it takes a few weeks, the prices start going up because there's more freight in the market. When there's more freight and there's the same amount of trucks, the rates go up. So I just say that, well, we're kind of like, okay, well, is it, is it getting better for carriers or is it kind of staying the same? Well, rates will tell me it's kind of staying the same, but the po- load postings, the pressure and the feeder market, too, the contract market, of this would tell me it's getting, it's, it should be improving a little bit. So it's kind of where freight is right now, which is, is, is obviously very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, I, you know, I've been talking about this for, for this whole kind of recovery that, that the, the indicators right. are all confusing. We've never really seen no patterns like yeah. this. Then we had the whole COVID mm-hmm. thing which we've never seen anything like that. That that made a mess of everything. Oh, yeah. All the government money being handed out everywhere made a mess of things. And I, I still think we're working through some of those issues. Now we have supply chain issues again that start to mess with things. There are a lot of mixed mm-hmm. signals. And, and I think I think what we might be seeing is when we reach the extremes of a market, the top or the bottom, right. once you get to that kind of threshold you tend to see this pattern of kind of bouncing around a little bit like it like the market can't yeah, find true. a direction and and we i think we went through that at the top there at the end of when things you know really started to tank we would have good days bad days we had indicators that didn't make sense it's kind of where we mm-hmm. are now but we're at the bottom and i i think you know when you look at charts right. and patterns like this that tends to be the case you get out to that extreme and then mm-hmm. the market starts bouncing around and not really giving a clear indicator. And I think that might be what we're seeing now. I was reading this morning um, I, that that tender rejection is an interesting number. Um, the other one I'm yeah. reading is even though we've lost a, a lot of capacity, both brokers and carriers, we're still like 17% above where we were three years ago. We're still oh, not yeah, for sure. We yeah. still really yeah. haven't washed enough people out of the market for the amount of freight that's out there. Well, that's that's true. We had a massive increase of the number of four hire carriers into the open market in the, in a, to, to hire a trucking company, and so a lot of those still will um, eventually transition out because, um, and I, you know, you know this better than I do. The resiliency of the small carrier, especially the owner operator, is really good. Most most a lot of a lot of players on like the, the financial market then look at the small player and they go, oh, they're going to they're gonna be bankrupting immediately. And they don't really understand how resilient and how flexible that one truck, two truck you know, operator is and how they can, they can weather a lot of things. And, um, and so, but I think we, we already saw about 60,000, believe it or not, move out. And we have about another 30 to 40,000, they say, um, to, to, to transition out. Now, there's, that's a lot of segments, Kevin. You know, it's not just one. It's not just the class eight owner operator, long right. haul trucker. It's a lot of segments. But either way, when something has an oversupply, uh, rates come down, you know, because and that's just the way it works. Yeah. You know? So, yep. um, which, is, which is difficult. I get it. It's painful. Absolutely. So it, it is. We're, I, I just think we're, we're now down. I, I think we have found the bottom for the most part. I, I don't think we'll see any significant drop in um, rate. You know, the only 
what if I'm still worried about we still, in my opinion, there's so much going on in the country and the world that could interfere with things and, and really have an impact on our overall economy. I mean, I don't see anything mm-hmm. specific mm-hmm. in trucking that would be a problem. We're at the bottom. We should start climbing out at some point. My my concern mm-hmm. is the, the what's going on in the world and the country, uh, that could have a big impact on this. I'm, I, you know, the market is still strong. The stock market is still strong based on where we are. And yet there seem to be an awful lot of layoffs. I mean, across the board, it's, it, you know, tech, trucking, um, I, just about everybody. I see an awful lot of announcements of layoffs. And at some point, right, right, that has right. to have a big impact on, on sales of everything. People will, they have to start cutting back when they lose their job. And it's almost like we, we've seen a lot of people lose their jobs, but we haven't seen anybody slow down their spending much. Well, I think you've still got some people that are benefiting from some of the savings. I know we spent down, I think I think I saw this about two months ago, where the United States, had, we had an all-time savings high during the pandemic because we were given some money, plus we weren't spending right. a lot of our discretionary income. Uh-oh, Brent? Well, I better make sure that's not me. Um, Brittany, are you still hearing me? Hello? I can hear you. Oh, there you are, Brent. I can hear you now. Go ahead. Yeah, I can hear you. So, yeah, I'm not uh, sure what happened there. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Um, um, but the, the idea that the, um, the amount of savings that the U.S. consumer had had been dwindled, had been taken, two-thirds of it had been spent, and we had about one-third left. So that's kind of continuing to work its way out. And what's interesting is that this, this is what I've been talking about with a lot of uh, market analysts and things like that at, at truck stop we get to see it's talked to a lot of market analysts and stuff and and you know because we and this is the theory this is not the theory this is the economics this sort of pattern you see when something expands twice as long as it normally expands then it's going to work its way out twice as long because economic curves as it goes up it comes down typically in the same economic curve and you don't want it to come down anymore abruptly because you could have a great depression. That's the you know, So you want to come down at the same sort of slope or incline that it went up. So it's gonna. So it doesn't surprise me that you see things like UPS is cutting twelve thousand jobs and looking to potentially sell Coyote, the three PL that they bought for several billion dollars. Um, and that sounds like a big deal, but it's it's just it's just a they're they're the need for those workers is not the same as it was during the pandemic because we had you know double the amount, triple the amount. Think about how many parcels UPS, and I, I, I don't know the number, but I can guarantee it's, it's, a, it's a lot more than normal that they have, like 50, 60% more than normal number of parcels going to homes during the pandemic, and now that's all worked its way back out. And so those workers that were needed aren't needed. It's, it's, it's not like the economy's wrecked, because the economy's still doing pretty good in normalcy. In other words, the economy is still like a 2%. 2.5%, some play areas even said 3.3%. So that's pretty good. The, the American economy does pretty good when we're at 2 and 3 and 4% growth. And if we had 4% growth, we'd be going crazy. So the idea is that it's just all of this is still working its way out. So parcel, remember, parcel was still very high. You know, you compound the Amazon effect and, and the Target effect and the Walmart effect and everybody else effect into this parcel world. And so it's finally working its way out. And so I'm just not surprised by a lot of these things, and especially in the logistics end or any big player in that was in the transportation of goods. And 
all of those workers finally starting to move out of the market because the who employed them doesn't need them because they don't have the volume uh, that would sustain their job. It's, it's not it's not that companies are doing bad. It's just that it's just, it's just, they're adjusting back to normal too. And then you've got the issues going on in the Red Sea and Panama Canal and all the other issues where there's there's more pressure coming. So you know, as soon as you start to like give take an exhale and go, oh, everything's gonna be normal now. Here comes more trouble. You know, so these things happen, and it's just what what you look at. That was a good thorough analysis. I agree that that a, a <laughs> well, lot of you. what thank is you. confounding us and sometimes confusing us is is we mm-hmm. have to remember we went up a long way over normal and oh, yeah. there's a long way to come back down in a lot of ways and then we do have all the goofy world events and the you know shipping issues around the world so uh kind of a confusing time you know what i've been telling people and i'm going to keep telling them is is uh, this is good advice all the time but it's really good advice now spend as much time focusing on what you can control because there's there just seems to be so much today in our world that's just out of our control and we sit back and we look at it and go well what's that going to do and we're confused about it but but we can always focus and improve what we can control yeah well and that's true and so that's why when i said the thing about the u.s economy i I just spent some time talking to several economists and even talked to some investment uh people about the economy and you know people that get paid to watch other people's money uh if they're nervous you need to be nervous if they're not nervous you probably you know it's always good to pay attention but you probably don't need to be nervous. And what I don't see in the bankers and the investment people, I don't see any nervousness. I don't either. So, yeah, so that that's, remember, you know, it, it's, it's good to have, you know, good friends and good advice, you know. So watch the people whose life depends on how money reacts in the marketplace. And remember, you got to also remember that the United States, so the contiguous 48 we have here, is the largest market in the world. I think it's over 40% of all of the freight movements happen in the connected 48 states. So we are the market when it comes to watching the overall global impact on things. Yeah, that's big. Hey, you know, on the, on the plus side, even though we're, we're talking about companies going out of business and we still have too much capacity, Mm -hmm. that does not mean that this isn't an opportunity to get into the market. And it is an opportunity if oh, you for sure. prepare yeah. and do it correctly. And I have a great example of this in my coaching program right now. I, my group coaching program, I've got a brand new owner operator, uh, mm-hmm. bought his first truck and got his authority right off the bat and uh, just did this within the last couple of months. And you know, all the issues we hear, all the struggles, how hard it is, all that. Um, he did get turned down a couple of times because his authority was so new. And I right. believe I saw a post the other day. I think he did something I recommend doing um, when this happens. He actually found some local brokers and went out and sat down and talked to him. Oh, man, smart move. And the last I checked, he was, uh, he had already pulled multiple loads. So that whole idea of, well, you can't get loaded with new authority. You can't get loaded if you don't have your inspection. Mm -hmm. It's just not true. And people believe it's true and they'll say, well, it is true. I had it happen to me. They won't load. I I know. I get that. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is it doesn't have to be a problem. There's no law. Right. There, there's no written rule that says this. I mean, if there was, how would anybody ever get a start? I mean, if nobody will load you till right. you have experience and an inspection, you'd never get loaded. 
because you can't get experience till they load you and you can't get loaded because the FMCSA has only inspected like 6% of the fleet. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, I heard an old phrase by our old friend, Kevin, a guy named Mike Riley. He used to say this all the time to us. And he's one of the biggest inspirations in my life when it comes to business. He would say to all the entire company all the time, he'd say, never forget that people do business with people they like, they know, and they trust. So to your point about the guy going and talking to uh, some brokers face-to-face, it's, it's really hard for them to like, know you, and trust you if they've never met you. You're just, you're, just, you're just on a piece of paper somewhere. But if you go and sit down with them, as you've, you've encouraged owner-operators in small place all the time, go meet face-to-face. If they see your quality, it's much harder, and it's, it's much easier to know you, to like you, and to trust you. <laughs> so yeah. Those things hold true. And so if you do that, you'd be surprised what business you'll get. Well, let's take it one step further. Let's be honest about how this happens many times in our industry. Um, You're right. Mm -hmm. If all you are is a voice on the phone, you've already got a strike against you. Go sit down and talk to somebody Mm -hmm. face-to-face, totally different situation. But we make it worse because here's the typical first interaction between the new carrier and a broker. Hey, I I see this load on the load board. Are are you kidding me? You really think I could move it for that? I need $200 more or there's no way I I, That's right? Isn't that a common occurrence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not going to work very well. Right. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) You may not get what you want with that type of approach. Exactly. And yeah, people continue to do that. Um, You know, the other thing, uh, Brent, I'm really paying attention to, um, and it's worrying me more and more, is this this attack on the independent contractor model. Well, yeah, it continues. It, it continues to ramp up, doesn't it? I mean, AB five started, you know, back in 2018, and then it got passed in 2019, and they pushed it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, "Eh, we're not going to look at it. We're going to push it back to California," which means it became law in California, which created the big, the big uh, sort of headache for everybody because once it becomes law in a state, other states go, "Well, could we do the same thing?" You know, and that that starts to create real problems because to me, it's an attack on the 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 what our <laughs> what our constitution does, which allows freedom for Amer- for America and, and and people to run their businesses the way they want to. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah. To me, it, it's a, it's an attack on on the the the, the um, American dream. Yeah, you know, I've been talking about this a lot. I've been very vocal about it. I jumped into an mm-hmm. X space about this topic the other night. I wasn't the host. It, somebody I knew was and I jumped in there just to listen and then somebody saw me in there and asked me to come in and give my opinion about it and 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 when I did the next uh, the next person that came on was like screaming at me um you've got to stop telling people that they won't be allowed to lease their truck to a carrier that's a lie that's not true and I said well no it's not a lie it is the absolute truth and then they were screaming no no the government said this is not the abc test like california and i said they're not calling it the abc test but read the wording and then read what's not in there i'll tell you what's not in the this ruling there is nothing in here that makes it clear on who really is an independent contractor and who isn't 
That's the biggest problem right. with this. Yeah. It's so muddied, mm-hmm. it's so convoluted that my fear, and I'm, I'm positive I'm right about this, they write it that way on purpose mm-hmm. because it gives them total control to decide who is and who isn't any way they want to. Well, um, <laughs> uh, they, it, 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 when you look at legal statements, ambiguity uh, creates opportunity for people in a market to go after it. And uh, you, you can't have any ambiguity. And so the, the idea that um, can they become a lease owner operator? I'm sure in some certain circumstances that they, they can. And today they, they still can because it's not, I and mean, it's just California that's the right. issue. It's just right. you have to look at what the trends are, what the trends are. And, and this is something true in trucking. Okay. We saw this with, um, with all the carb, all the emissions and stuff uh, back in the day, you know, back when I was more still working for overdrive. We saw the, with all the emission standards and everything start in California, then they became national, then they became an, an federally accepted right. by the EPA, and then they rolled it out to the entire trucking industry, which, by the way, took trucks. It increased the prices of trucks. Anywhere from twenty to forty thousand dollars because yes. all the engine changes that had to go into it. So who paid that? Well, the trucker paid that, and then who paid that? The consumer paid that. So, so yeah, don't don't be fooled that that this that what you see happening in California doesn't come east because it always does. Listen so the to idea this. Is to fight that, I know. Yeah, go ahead. Listen to this wording. The U.S. Department of Labor admits in this rule, quote. There may be conceptual overlap between the department's proposed integral factor and the prong B of the ABC test. What more do you need them to tell us to, so that you understand this is the ABC test? Right. Uh, not much more. Yeah, there may be. That means there is typically when when people are commenting on stuff. I'm not an, I'm not an attorney, and I'm, I'm you know. <laughs> We, we have several on staff, and I know many in the, in the industry, and I, use, I turn to them uh, for feedback on this, and I know the ATA has great focus on it, too, and so, uh, because this, this, this can affect large fleets in a massive way because they, they love working with lease on owner operators. It's a good um, model. You know, and for the most part, for the most part, it's a very good model. It's a great way for them to transition into go from company driver before you jump completely into taking the, the whole responsibility on, be a lease owner operator, cut your teeth, Get your feet wet. Then, if it makes sense, move into the completely independent model. So, um, yeah, not. It, it's a. It's, to me, it's you know, or not. Yeah, or, or not. not. Just stay where you are. Whatever you know. Right. It's your right to operate your business the way you want to. And, yeah. and it's worked it's really, thing, really well in our industry. It works really well in a lot of other industries. It, it gives people mm-hmm. a chance to control their own destiny more to take some more risk, mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to get a bigger reward, mm-hmm. to have the freedom to work they, the way they want to work. It, the model has worked really well. And all they did here was take the B prong, which is the one we have all the problems with in California, and change it, the name of it to proposed integral factor. That's all they did. It's the same concept. They just gave it a different name, and I had people screaming at me. There is no B prong. There is no ABC test. Well, there is. They're just calling it something else. Well, the the ABC test is is there. I mean, if you look at the independent contractor law, and I've read it, uh, it's it's all in there, and it's it's law. You know? yeah. it's, so it's part of the regu- it's part of the regulation. So whatever you want to call it. You know, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, had a, I had a friend of mine one time who used to say, well, you got to be careful about distraction because a lot of times people will be looking at you and they're, they're holding, 
they're like, they're like holding a monkey in one hand going, you know, look at the monkey, look at the monkey. And then they got, they got the other thing in the other hand, the truth in the other hand. It's like, just, it's just a distraction. Yeah. So you got to be careful. Always, it, it would pay you to read the independent contractor law and understand what the boundaries are. It really, it pays anyone to do that. You, you need you need to know what, what the boundaries are, 100%. Yeah, and like I said, sometimes you have to look at it in what didn't they put in there. And the biggest thing I just Correct. don't see is I don't see a clear indicator of who is an independent contractor and who isn't. Right, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a bit murky when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've watched the market for a long time, and, and I know a lot of um, there's a lot of really good uh, scenarios where uh, the lease on model is very good for the owner operator, and there's a lot of great fleets. Most most fleets have, have good lease on owner operator plant uh, uh, programs. Uh, there's, there's been a few bad actors, and you know the groups go after them, and, and rightfully so because we want to protect them as much as possible, but. Um, the idea that, that, that it just, it has to be changed because they're getting completely screwed over across the board. I think that's false. Yes, I agree. I agree. All right. We got to let you get on with your day, but, uh, can we spend a couple minutes talking about, uh, my favorite subject these days? Well, Kevin Rutherford, what might that be? What is your favorite subject? Let's think. Hmm. Would it be beneficially helping owner operators as a new, a program called the Certified Master Carrier at Mid America. That would be it, exactly. <laughs> well, good. It's my favorite topic too. Yeah, let's talk about it. And it's uh, you know it's a, it's it's a kind of special for you and I because you and I met mm-hmm. um, at Mid America Trucking Show in 1999, and I did my first did. seminar ever. Uh, you were a big That's part right. of that, and and you and I have been working on this idea ever since. Mm-hmm. I, been a long time that, that we did the partners in business a lot of years that's still going on yep. um the cmc yeah, still doing that. Yeah. was very successful for a lot of years it was time to to rewrite it and um we are now launching cmc 2.0 i see that we i i think lisa told me that we are part of registration now um, oh I fantastic i haven't found yeah, that yeah. yet but we are not on the event page yet so hopefully they'll oh. get that up there pretty quick. Um, I'm excited about We only have 200 seats. I think they're going to go fast. People right. have found the registration mm-hmm. already because we do have people signed up. Uh, and I think once it gets out there and they start putting it out in their emails, it's going to fill up pretty quick. I do too. So it's going to be exciting. I'm just looking forward to creating uh, that groundswell of uh, a place where um, – the owner-operator market part of the market can come and be celebrated and be recognized and be um, informed as to how to continue to run their business or, or build their new business. And no no better person to lead that than Let's Truck and Kevin Rutherford. So that's super exciting. And we, we as Truck Stop want to support that across the board because it's the right thing to do. And it's the right thing. And, and I just, I love, love, love that um, Toby and the leaders at MidAmerica want to continue to foster this because this gives this gives like um like like a homecoming like a like like turf in which you know like uh like like real estate for the the owner operator to have a place to come to where no this is for them this is a place for them and so really appreciate the men america team uh thinking about that and thinking about how they can continue to benefit uh people that have been coming to their show for over 50 years love that hey 
Um, this is kind of interesting. I just happened to uh, look over at my X feed um, as we were wrapping this up. Um, we need to put a plug in for your podcast because you've got a pretty interesting episode out right now that I need to go listen to. <laughs> well, we've got a pretty interesting episode about the Red Sea out right now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We got, we got, we got, we got another really interesting one with a guy named Captain Rusty coming up real soon, which will be a multi-part series. But um, yeah, we we the team did a great job in saying, hey, there's a lot going on in the Red Sea. How does that affect things in the market? So yeah, so Chris Chase is the 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 director of marketing for the LA ports and and why 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 the LA ports Brent why is that important well the LA port and the Long Beach ports what port which are oftentimes thought of as the same port control about mm, over forty percent of all the inbound containerized freight in the into the United States that's big. it is the hub where everything comes in and so I want to get Chris on the phone and ask him hey. Tell us why, what's going on. Has it affected the United States yet? And, and, and what is the impact to our marketplace? And, and he said, and please go listen to it because he talks about this in depth. He said, we haven't, has, we haven't really seen an impact yet, but we, we, we will because it's going to continue. And here's two things that stuck out to me, Kevin, the big two things with this. And so if you go, you'll hear him talk really in depth about this. He said, number one, the Red Sea is important, but it's, it's more important to the EU, so Europe, than it is to us because 70% of that freight goes to Europe. 30% comes to us, right? So, and the other thing is, the, the reason that they're stopping these ships going through the Red Sea is because certainly everyone knows about the terrorists attacking the ships. That's super bad. They're causing the problem. That needs to be stopped. But, the, but what's, what's stopping them is the insurance companies are saying, you can't go through there because of the risk. So they're making them go around, which adds about 10 days to two weeks to the travel, which is huge from a cost, from a time, from an everything standpoint. So this is, and, it, and it's going to continue until something's done with the Houthis who are, who, are, who are being really, really bad actors when it comes to this. But yeah, it's a great, it's a great article. So I appreciate you bringing it up. Freight Nation's been a lot of fun and, and um, let's look, look just really enjoy the story. So I know one of the things we're working on, and I, I have no idea where we are on this, if it's actually going to happen. I, I don't know, but it's been a, a goal of ours for a while, and we're getting closer to being able to do it. Um, we are going to start mm -hmm. featuring other podcasts on our app. Not We have multiple shows within our own network, obviously. We have... You know, this segment, we have right. Destination Health on Wednesdays. We have Power Hour on Tuesdays. We also want to start adding shows from other hosts, trucking-related content. And it may turn into yeah. non-trucking content at some point, just stuff I may find interesting or useful. Um, obviously, one of the shows we want to get on our app, um, like I say, I have no idea where we are on this, if it's going to happen or not, uh, is yours. We'd like to make your Freight yeah, Nation podcast available on our app for our listeners. Uh, we have a couple others, trucking podcasts that I'm interested in adding. Um, so we mm -hmm. may be doing that soon. But in the meantime, how do they find your podcast? Well, it's on, you know, same place that's been for 28 years. Just go to truckstop.com. It's listed under the, uh, the, the, the blogs and uh, the event stands uh, uh, drop down menu. So you can find it there. And then, of course, we promote it on LinkedIn and everywhere else. Every piece of social media, we, we push it out on uh, to to have people be able to uh, listen to it. So, uh, yeah, so it's been it's been a lot of fun, Kevin, doing it. I've, I've really I've learned a lot already from different, different people in the market. But, uh, yeah, Freight Nation, and we're going to continue to do it and continue to bring uh, the story on, uh, on this big market uh, to anyone that wants to listen. Fantastic. 
All right, Brent, we've got a lot of good stuff going on. I'm excited about it, and uh, we'll talk to you again next Monday. All right, KR, looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, and keep on trucking, bro. All right, take care. We are going to get to the phone calls. It is a free-for-all. I'll stay here as long as you've got questions. Jump in and join us, 855-950-3835. Now we'll go to Todd in Massachusetts. Todd, good morning again. Hey, good morning, part two. Yeah, so um, usually when I call, I bury my lead, but this time I'm going to start at the top. Um, I've listened to the show a long time. I, haven't, I don't remember hearing anything about bursitis on the show. Do you know anything about it? I have it, and it honestly feels like a bullet in the bone. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I haven't even heard that word in a long time, bursitis. Uh, seems like yeah, I me used, neither. It seems like I used to hear it quite often but i i I, when you said it i thought man i haven't heard that term in a long time is there is there something else they started calling it or do they refer to it as something different before you answer that let me answer your question i don't even actually know what bursitis is and no i've never even since i've been working in the health field i this is the first time i've even heard the term during that nine years i had forgotten all about that I keep getting these mystery, the most horrible things, you know, with the AFib and now this. And uh, so I was just lucky to that I knew someone that knew someone that finally told me that this is what it is. And it just happened uh, Saturday during the wee hours because I, I, I sleep so, on my... So, hey, Todd. Yeah. Let me tell you why I probably... And again, I don't know refer to this differently or why we don't hear much about this anymore i do understand what it is now as soon as i looked at it i understand what it is it has to do with uh with fluid um in these these things that we call synovial and and bursi Uh, and it, it has to do with the Um, allowing muscles and tendons to slide across bone. It's the fluid that kind of lubricates that so we don't feel it. But here's what's interesting to me. The very first sentence Mm -hmm. tells me a lot. Bursitis is the inflammation. So the real root cause of the problem, it, it manifests as this pain, but the real root cause is inflammation. So one of the things we find when we eat a a true human diet, and we got to go back and say you are a mystery. We're still not sure. We've got several things about your health we haven't been able to figure out. But typically, if somebody had bursitis and they started eating a good keto or carnivore diet, it would go away. Almost all of our inflammation does. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing we absolutely know about eating this way is inflammation goes away. And you probably remember way back at the beginning, I used to say, I, I hate to say that this diet will fix this, 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 it'll fix this and that and because it sounds too yeah. good to be true. It doesn't even sound logical. How can one change in our <laughs> diet fix all these different diseases? And the reason that it did, and it does, and we we finally identified why, is because most diseases, the root cause, the root effect is the same. It is inflammation. And when we lower inflammation, a lot of different conditions in the body improve or, or are fixed and go away completely. 
So bursitis is just another one of these conditions that is really just inflammation. One of my projects that I'm I'm writing down tidbits about, I have been for a couple of weeks on a bunch of different topics, It, it is inflammation. But this case, what I read, and I don't have any doubt that it is inflammation, but in this case, I I said I saw something that said it was common amongst, I can't remember two of the four, but gardeners, which I found interesting, but um, overuse in, in athletes. And, you know, about three months ago, I started doing deadlifts. And, you know, now I've started, hey, I started feeling hey, something Todd. like them. Like Todd. My, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I kind of know where you're going here, and I think I'm going to hedge off on this. Um, okay. I don't believe, again, remember, we always try to get to the root cause of things. There can be other causes. There can be other factors that aggravate things, but we always need to try to stay focused on that root cause. The root cause is inflammation. If you have inflammation and then you do what you're talking about, we overuse that joint. It's going to get worse, but I can tell you that our joints should not wear out. Uh, and they certainly shouldn't in in just a couple of weeks or a couple of months or even a couple of years. I, I can bring you people that have been doing deadlifts for 30 years. They've never worn out their joint. So it's not yeah, the, it's, it's not the over. We might say if you back off, things will get better. But we can't make the assumption that it was the overuse causing the problem. If you fixed the inflammation, things would get better and you could work as hard as you wanted to. So I, I just want to say I agree with you that working it out may be aggravating it, but working it out is not the cause. Okay. I sure wish I knew. The I remember asking, you had a doctor on from Dr. Wilson's office. His last name I can't quite remember, but I asked him you know, what he thought the root cause of inflammation was. And a Smithy, his name, or something like that. But he, he, I, he started off by kind of just saying that he didn't think there was one cause. And well, I don't think so either. You know, I forget. Yeah, and um, but I, it, it is an interest of mine, especially where I had the, the highest C-reactive protein in the history of the people who did the blood testing for them. Which and um, which is a measurement of inflammation. So again, I'm right. going to go back to your bursitis is not acting up because you're overusing it. It it is, but that's not the root cause. The root cause is the inflammation. We know you're inflamed. We can't figure out why we can't get that inflammation down. I really wish I knew. I, uh, maybe a little bit of chocolate that I eat. Uh, I don't I, I think don't know. so. But. Uh, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, this whole thing with carnivore, you mentioned a few calls ago while I was on hold. There's problems with minerals, and I don't, I don't know. Is there something miracle? Is there one little good thing about bread? Is it, do they fortify it? with? Because I didn't have any of this problem. Of course, I was younger. I didn't have any of these problems when I was eating standard My, American diet. You know, I, I've said that this is kind of a mystery, but one of the things I talked about today that I think maybe is, I think a lot of times when we go to a real food diet, we don't salt our food enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's possible. And I might not, I might need better quality salt. I read something about even this Himalayan, this orange, I call it orange. I don't know what color they say it is, but it's orange. And um, and it uh, turns out there's, there's a different quality level to it. And I used to use Celtic gray and I got to go back to it. And the reason I didn't is because, you know, it's sticky because it has some moisture, which also has minerals. That's what the, that's what it is, that moisture. And so 
maybe I got to go back to that. Um, in the meantime, I'll continue my search on the root cause of inflammation. I, I do spend quite a bit of time on these different things. It's coming out, getting up to be a book. But um, anyway, um, what do you think about, just so I can work, because I'm not working today, because I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, really manage myself in the bathroom. I can't drive a truck. Yeah. What do you think about, I mean, it's better, but what do you think about Advil or Tylenol? Uh, I am pretty strongly against almost all the over-counter, over-the-counter pain medications. They're way more destructive than we ever thought. You know, we treat this stuff, if they sell it over the counter, it must be completely safe, not cause any problems. Absolutely not true. Anything we consume that changes our physiology in, in what we might look at as a positive way also has to have some other side effects that aren't positive. So, over-the-counter pain relievers affect our physiology. They take our pain away. There, there's a positive there. There has to be a negative. They're horrible for our gut bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, I guess I'll just switch gears, but think of gut bacteria and so forth. Did you see the, I think it was a recent um, Tucker Carlson interview with this man named Casey Means who knows pretty much everything there is to know about Ozempic? Kay, Kaylee Means is the yeah, guy's name. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I yeah. haven't, I, I did see that Tucker interviewed him, but I haven't listened to it yet. And I, I want to, because I've been following Kaylee means on, on X for a while. I don't know where the guy came from. He came out of nowhere. He doesn't seem yeah. to have a, any kind of deep understanding about nutrition. He's not a practitioner of any kind. Um, I, I'm going to go do a little more research on him find out what his background really is because all of a sudden I'm, I'm seeing him everywhere he is very very outspoken against big pharma and our and our food supply um but like i said it's kind of interesting because he doesn't i don't believe he comes from the functional world or the nutritional world but he's been very outspoken and all of a sudden he seems to be getting a lot of traction and I'm seeing him everywhere now, including Tucker, but I, I didn't get a chance to actually listen to it. I just saw it this morning. Yeah, it's 100% worth it. You'll be fascinated. And he, there is an MD next to his name on the X, on his X account. Plus, um, what was I going to say? He, I don't know if it, he's got a book out called Good Energy, which I'm going to get, but he's, uh, he's worked in pharma. So he's like, you know, he's converted or something. You know, he's found God or something. And he's, that's where he came from. I think he was in big pharma and he was, he said one thing I can remember, cause I don't have any notes. He said that he, he or they used to pay um, the NAACP to protest Coke for taking away what they called money for diabetes water or Coca-Cola. And they used to pay them to go to Coca-Cola and, and, and you know, make a ruckus. Don't take away that money out of the government budget for food stamps. It's fascinating. Oh, what I wanted to tell you about the gut was that Ozempic, to a very large degree, stops the body's ability to produce produce, uh, serotonin, which is why so many people have what he calls suicidal ideations when they're on Ozempic. And for this, they pay whatever it is, $1,500 a month. And um, anyway, I just, I know we've talked about it on the show and I just wanted to bring it up. And uh, like that, when I... Could mention one thing to you about. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I was I was just gonna say this whole Ozempic thing is so out of control. This is going to become a disaster. If we don't already have enough horrible health issues, this one is gonna push some people right over the top. And I you know, the, this idea, Big Pharma spends so much money advertising. They get whatever they want in the media. I am not. I, I am so sick of scrolling through my news feed like I do every morning and having to skim past 10 or 15 articles about Ozempic. Most of them actually pretty damn positive. Um, which is a shame because the very, very few people, if any, have a positive experience with this. But you just see the influence of big pharma over the media. There is no way there should be this many stories about Ozempic, and they should absolutely not be as positive as they are. And he, he brought up what you say all the time, that you know it's only us in who is it, New Zealand or Australia who can advertise these drugs. New Zealand. Yeah, uh, he, br- he brought that up. And, oh, um, let me, uh, it, I'm, I'm yeah. glad you brought this up because I forgot to make a note about this, but I want to, well, I think I was going to save this for Wednesday, but we'll talk about it now. Um, this idea of, of advertising drugs on TV, it is only the United States and New Zealand that is allowed to do that. That is um, a, a huge part of what we've got going on here. And that's what I mean. They are so out of control with this. The number of, of new drugs hitting the market, the number of new drugs being heavily advertised uh, and pushed on people is just insane. Uh, I'm not big on a ton of regulations, but, but this one, we should just not allow big pharma to advertise it it, it, but here's something that's even worse that i see becoming a big trend have you seen any commercials for these websites called hers and hymns hymns i think i get emails junk emails from those things but i have never seen i i I fast forward over stuff but i i did see one for ozempic recently and i watched a couple of seconds of it so um, no i I didn't realize what these things were. I kept seeing these commercials and I'm just like, I don't really get it. Well, here's what it is. This is nothing but pushing a bunch of drugs on TV and a website where you don't even need to go to a doctor anymore. These companies exist, Mm -hmm. hims and hers exist for one reason, to prescribe drugs. So if you have hair loss, they have a prescription drug. They'll, They'll prescribe it right online you don't even have to go to a doctor if you've got any kind of mental health issues depression anxiety bipolar whatever hell you don't need to go see a doctor just come to our website tell us what you're feeling and we'll prescribe you a drug oh having trouble lose weight just come to our website we'll prescribe ozempic manjaro whatever you need you don't even need to see a doctor and this kaylee means he didn't he didn't rule out uh, new zealand but he did say this is happening only in America and all the world. And, you know, I mean, I think it's part of the World War Three that we're in that no one will. I think it's part of an attack on the country. You know, China takes a long-term view of everything. Anyway, yeah, it's only well, happening then the, in America. The, the other thing, um, and I've pointed this out many times, not only do they advertise heavily, some of their commercials are illegal. Uh, 
Where, like in other countries? No, in the United States. The commercial, you could watch a commercial today that is completely illegal. They, they, here's what they do. Oh. The, the, okay. the FDA approves drugs for certain conditions. So Ozempic is approved for diabetes. So you can only advertise that drug for diabetes because that's all it's approved for. Now, doctors have the freedom to prescribe any drug they want for any condition they want. They're allowed to do that. So sure, if you go to the doctor, he's allowed to say, hey, this is a diabetes drug, but you're having trouble losing weight. I'm going to prescribe it for weight loss. He's allowed to do that, but they're not allowed to advertise it that way. Now, I'm not saying they're advertising Ozempic as a weight loss drug. I haven't seen that yet. But there are multiple drugs on the market that I went and checked, and and you can go look this up. It does happen. They do advertise drugs that they never got an approval for. And they do it because all, all they have to do is pay the fine, and they make more money by running the commercials and selling drugs. They make enough to pay the fine and still profit. So it's just part of doing business for them. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just so scummy. And this guy, Kaylee Means, really goes deep. He, he was, Tucker couldn't keep up with him. He, Tucker said, I'm trying to keep up with what you're saying to me. He, it was just blowing him away. And so I, yep. I encourage everyone to have a look at it. And, yeah, the first, uh, time, first time I heard of this guy or saw anything by him was about six months ago. And like I said, in the beginning, he was posting about food and nutrition he didn't really sound like he had a really good handle on the nutrition side. Like he certainly didn't sound like a true functional medicine doctor or practitioner, but he was definitely going after big pharma and big food. And I think over the last six months, I've watched the the quality of his post get better and better. Like he's learning more and more about nutrition in a good way. Yeah. I don't know how old he is, but he, he looks, if you look at his face, he looks healthy. Who knows? But but um, he did say, you know, he's partnering with his sister in this, like, uh, takedown of Big Pharma, and um, something major happened to her. I, I, I want to say she almost died because of something that was prescribed to her, and she also is an MD like him. Yeah. And uh, said it's, it's personal, so maybe that's part of the the, uh, the momentum he's got. In the, uh, anyway, um, yeah, one other thing um, I'm going to have to go tend to my pain is uh, – you mentioned Steve Jobs several calls ago today. Um, I read something recently, or I heard someone talking that said, you know, the pancreatic cancer, he was subjected to so much in blue light with computers on his lap and, you know, all about his body. And that, you know, it, that this person, well, I know who the person was. Is, I mentioned before, his name is Jack Cruz, K-R-U-S-E, a fascinating guy. And he says that's why. Uh, Steve Jobs got pancreatic cancer, speaking of root causes. And uh, I'll be digging into blue light. I don't know what you know about blue blockers and wearing them to watch television. I don't know anything about it. I thought it was a bullshit fad, but now I'm going to look into it more seriously. Uh, you know, there's something else to, to know about um, Steve Jobs, though. He, he was pretty extreme when it came to his diet. He oh, wasn't necessarily vegan or vegetarian but he ate a ton of fruits and vegetables probably way too much fruit and he would eat the same fruits and vegetables over and over and over remember i've talked about steve jobs and his habits why he wore the same clothes all the time why he ate the same breakfast all the time it was decision fatigue and he he Mm -hmm. 
he would have been far better off if he would have simplified his diet by only eating meat and animal products over and over and over. But he went the other way. His, his yeah. diet was very high in fruit and probably high in a lot of problematic vegetables. But then I would not discount what you just said. I believe that was a huge part of it. All of his exposure to technology throughout his entire life. Yeah, I yeah, he was just surrounded by it. And I think someone mentioned on your show recently, uh, a book I have right here at home, it's um, The Invisible Rainbow. And, it, and people, he's not the first one to die from that. And I want to say it's Marconi or Marconi, maybe, whose wife died from it, or Tesla. Um, you know, she was a normal person before he met her and then they met and they got together and they moved to, to wherever it was he was doing all these electrical experiments i think it was on an island and making towers and and she eventually went insane and then she died and had a stillborn baby and before that time and um, anyway there's there's a whole hell of a lot to it and i'm going to be looking into this balloon blocking stuff and um i i think that's uh that's all i got for now and i, I thank you for your time you're welcome good talking to you Let's uh, let's go to Illinois. Austin, welcome. Austin, are you there? Uh-oh. Things got really quiet on my end for some reason. Austin, I'm going to put you back in the queue and try another line real quick to see if maybe this is me. Uh, let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, are you there? Howdy, I'm here. Can you hear okay. me now? Wasn't me then. Go ahead. Okay, good. So Brittany asked if this was a book title because she said, what do you want to talk about? And I said, immigration, emissions, and evolving. (laughs) Boy, that'd be a hell of a book to try to write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so this immigration shit that's happening where, oh, just walk across the border and, oh, here you go. Here's your bus ticket or whatever. It pisses me off. Well, let's let's be... Let's be clear, because it's, it's getting even worse than that. Um, you just broke yeah. our laws by illegally entering into our country. Here's a free cell phone with a, a minute package. Here's a prepaid credit card, yeah. because you're going to need Debit some expenses. Yeah. Um, if you need medical and where care, do you want to go? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll handle that. And there's a good chance, depending on where you end up, you might be allowed to vote, <clears> too. Yeah. So all the hard work I did to become a citizen kind of makes it null and void and it's not worth the piece of paper it's written on i i can't imagine That's the way i look at it i i can't imagine honestly how pissed off people like you are because you're right look i i i yeah. i i consider myself blessed just by the fact that out of pure random chance i happen to be born here i didn't do anything for yeah. that it was given to me or i was blessed with that and I, I value that a lot. Yeah. I didn't really have to work for it. I, I, it was just being in this country was just handed to me. I mean, nothing else was. I didn't grow up with money. Yeah. I didn't grow up, you know, with a lot of privilege or anything. I, just a basic, you know, middle income family started with nothing. And, and that's fine because this country gave me so many opportunities. But then I think about people like yeah. you that weren't blessed. They were born somewhere else, and, and they wanted to come here for our freedoms and what we've accomplished as a country. And you did sacrifice, and you did the hard work, and you did it right. And I can't believe how, how yeah. much that must aggravate you to watch this. It pisses me off. It's the best way to put it. So, but I, I guess I also was fairly lucky because New Zealand's well, it's not quite as good as it used to be, but it's still better than 
yeah, so many it, other places in the world. So, yeah. Right, but it, but a lot of people from countries that are good countries still want to come to the United States. I mean, it, it's, there, there's yeah. no other country that people want to come to more than the United States. I am all for more immigration, more <clears throat> immigration, not less. Done, I'm yeah, for doing more. Doing it correctly. Yeah. done correctly exactly i know very good people who came here from other countries and we need more of them people like you um, yeah. i have a good friend here locally um, and this is interesting because he um, came over here from the netherlands as an adult and he loves it yep. here he loves the opportunities he's pissed off about what's going on and he should be but you know something happened over this past weekend um i wanted to add uh states to my concealed carry because oregon when you get oregon all you get is oregon um so there was oh, okay. a local class and he was the one my friend was the one who told me about it and invited me to go with him and we went over and we took a class for a utah concealed carry permit because you get 32 states with utah so oh, okay. uh, perfect yep. i'll go do that with you and he told me about when he first moved over here and he went to one of these classes and it was a more in-depth class you had to do the gun handling and there was some <clears throat> testing and all kinds of things and he went through that whole process and he was so excited that he was going to be able to buy a handgun he's in the netherlands not even an option so he was so excited, yep. but he found out after he took the course, he hadn't been here long enough yet, and he didn't qualify, so he oh. wasn't able to get it. Um, so now he said, now I can go get it, and we went over and we took the class. So, but again, we, we talked about this, and, and he was just yep. really pissed that he did it right, and now nobody, ha and, and nobody handed him a free cell phone with minutes and a prepaid credit card, and um, you know, he struggled yeah, well, to find jobs and survive, and he's probably one of the most incredible carpenters I've ever seen, but he's also just an incredible handyman, whether it's plumbing or electrical, so he helps me a lot with stuff. But we went over and took the class, and you have to imagine, we're in a, we're in a class for concealed carry permits, um, not a whole lot of liberals in sight. Um, the entire talk, yeah. everybody was just about the border, um, what's going on in our country? Are you prepared? I mean, I, I thought I was going to end up giving a, uh, a pressure canning class before the day was over with because everybody was interested in that. Uh, but just a, and yep. then then I actually um, somebody that was there is the chair, the vice chair of the Republican Party here in our county. Um, and they are they are pressuring me really really hard to get involved and i thought i had an out i said look i can't get involved in the republican party i'm a registered libertarian and she said we'll help yep. you just switch your registration until we get some things cleared up in the party we need more votes and we need better people and and then you can go back to being a libertarian and i'm like no it doesn't yeah. work that way i i am a libertarian yeah. I, there's a lot of stuff i don't agree about with the republican party yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm not pissed off because I didn't get a free cell phone, and a, a free debit card, and a plane ticket somewhere. I didn't need that, and I didn't want it. Everything I got, I worked for it the old-fashioned way because exactly that's the way I was taught. So yeah. yeah. So then on Friday, it, you were talking about emissions and people that delete emissions. Yeah. And I think Joel chimed in as well. I think we should report them. I, you know, like I said earlier, 
I just have very mixed feelings about this. I was brought up at a time where you just you you, you didn't you didn't get that involved in somebody else's business. You didn't tattle on people. Yeah. Um, I, that that's just the way it was. And, and I'm I'm a little bit of an anti-authoritarian. I don't like a lot of rules, and so. Yeah. To me, look, if you're not hurting anybody, there's all kinds of stupid rules. And, and if you break them, I could care less. But there are rules yeah. that do matter. We are a nation of laws. I get that. I don't want anarchy, but I also don't want the kind of government control that they've created now. I want to find some balance in there. And I really, I'm trying to get my head around the idea that if somebody is breaking a rule that's important and, and it can hurt somebody else, I guess we should report them. I don't know. I just have a hard time with that one. Yeah, well, it, it sort of gives them the little bit of an edge, like if they delete or just right. do an engine swap. Because I, over the weekend, I don't, I don't know whether Siri's always listening, but uh, or maybe she could read my thoughts. I don't know, but I've seen a lot of a lot of car hauler trucks pop up on the for sale, and they've had engine transplants because you could not get a. Peterbilt glider with the smart nav screen in it, and you see pictures of the inside. It's like pre-emission 12.7 Detroit and a 2014 Peterbilt, but it's got a smart. And even one of them still had the DEF tank on there. I guess he didn't want to take hey, that off, but it, yeah, crazy. Yeah, so, hey, Lisa just sent me a link with some good information about Kaylee Means. I didn't know this. Um, he started a company called TrueMed that enables people to use their HSA or FSA <clears throat> spending on supplements, exercise, and healthy food. I like that. Oh, okay, yeah. So now to evolving. So I've been having a bit of a discussion over the last couple of days on Facebook with a guy who's, he's leased onto a, what I consider to be a very good company. A, they do bulk products. Well, he got this big, in my opinion, big fat Peterbilt, and because he, his tractor unit weighs only 3,000 pounds lighter than my tractor unit after I put the head rack on it. Yeah, and he said, well, it was all I could get. He bought it during COVID. It was all I could get at the time because how it started was I told him, why didn't he spec more lightweight options? And he said, it was just sitting on the lot and it's what I could get. Yeah, so, but now he says, you know, 389's gone away. They're not making them anymore. And he said, I'll be sticking with it because I'm not buying that aerodynamic plastic shit. <laughs> well, feel free to get left behind, too. So. Yeah. Hey, I do, have, uh, I do have something here for Todd earlier with the bursitis. It looks like I might have been on the right track, even more specifically than I thought. Um, Sarah sent me a book called The Salt Fix, which is a really good book. Uh, I don't remember this, though. In the book, and Sarah's saying, it is salt that regulates the fluid in our joints. And that's what bursitis is, a problem with the fluid in our joints. So um, I think the, the salt thing is uh, maybe a big part of that. Yeah. So now i got I got a couple of more comments about New Zealand. All right. Have, have you heard of Pandemic X? Uh, I've heard of Disease X, if that's what you're talking about. Well, in New, I was talking to my sister yesterday or day before, and in New Zealand, they started the the health or the government people. They're saying 
well, pandemic X is coming, and we don't know what it is yet, but you need to be prepared for it. Yeah, well, that's interesting. That's what telling the population in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So We don't know what pandemic X actually is, but it's coming. So I don't think this yep. is it, but I, the regular listeners may remember this. This goes way back before COVID. In fact, I think a couple <clears throat> of years before COVID. I started taught this may go back to all the way like 2015 or 2016. I mentioned that I watch for these new diseases because I do believe yeah. that we are going to have a pandemic that will be way worse than COVID. I, I believe that I've believed it for a long time. And I, I'm not even talking about a, a government conspiracy kind of thing. Did they create COVID? Yep. I, I don't know. But I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about look at the natural world and what could happen. And mm -hmm. without any government, without any big conspiracies, without any human intervention, <clears throat> we could have a disease, a virus, a bacteria that shows up and wipes out a big part of the population we could absolutely have yep. that happen we've made it worse with all of our drugs we've made it use worse with overuse of antibiotics we've made it worse with all of these wearing a stupid mask yeah. the masks the all of the the biologic <clears throat> drugs that turn down your immune system that is a bad bad idea <clears throat> All of those things, when you, all the antibiotics we give to our farm animals, when you look at these things, it, it is, we are creating the perfect storm to have a very yep. deadly pathogen show up. And I'm talking about no matter how healthy you think you might be, something could come along that's going to kill us. Um, one one yep. of the things that I think about and plan for is if there is a virus or a pathogen that shows up that's that deadly, no matter how healthy you are, I have made up my mind. I'm not taking a vaccine for anything, nothing. I don't care if yep. this disease is 90% deadly and they claim they have a vaccine that works. I'm not taking it. My plan will be to absolutely isolate myself until this thing burns itself out. That's... Yep. Because they're not, they're not giving me any kind of antibiotic or a, a vaccine for anything anymore. That, that's just out of the question yeah. for me. So something could show up. I expect that it will at some point. One of the, the yeah. pathogens that I've been watching doesn't look all that dangerous, but it, it could mutate. Uh, some of the listeners yeah. might remember me talking about Candida auris. <laughs> When people get infected by it, the death rate is 30 to 60%. That is incredibly high. Now, it's not yep. as scary as it sounds. Most The people that get infected by it have really compromised immune systems. They're usually in long-term care of some kind, a nursing home, a long-term hospital. That's where you get this yep. disease, by the way. You get it when you're in the care yep. facility. This virus shows up. It can live on surfaces for like two weeks. And once this gets into a facility, it's hard to get rid of. Now, as of right now, it yep. only affects people with very compromised immune systems. But this has grown. Prior to 2014, we didn't have any cases of it. Now we have <clears throat> lots of cases across lots of states.
That's just one of the pathogens I'm keeping an eye on. Yep. <clears throat> so, so one more. So Kenworth is a uh, hundred years old now. Yeah. And Kenworth trucks have been in New Zealand for about 52 years, I think. So a couple of years ago, they had a big 50th celebration. And then this weekend, they had the 100 year. They had a big show and everything. There was about nearly 800 Kenworth trucks showed up. Good turnout by the public. And then a guy put a really funny comment on there. He said, thanks to South Pack trucks, that's the people, the, the Kenworth people, South Pack. Thanks to South Pack Trucks for putting a great show on. The traffic on the road this week was really good because there was no Kenworth holding shit up. <laughs> Signed Volvo driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I, th- I thought it was kind of funny. So, but uh, uh, nearly a 800 truck turnout in New Zealand on one brand of truck is pretty pretty good showing. So, that's a big deal. Uh, yeah. So, but we we do have a lot because. Most of the Kenworths in New Zealand, they come from Australia, Kenworth, Australia. Right. So we get different models down there than what you get here. So Yeah, quite a bit different. And, and in my opinion, the Kenworth that's built in Australia is superior to the one that's built here in the U.S. or Canada. So yeah, I wouldn't it. be surprised. So, so there you have it. All right, that's all I got. I'll let you get to the next guy. So all right. Thank you much. That's all we need. Thanks for the call. Let's go to, let's try Austin again. Austin, are you there this time? Yeah, sorry, I, I'm loading and I got busy for a second. Um, got a question about my PAX thing I got to write this year. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so I bought this trailer in August, but I didn't, I didn't put the cash forward. Somebody else did. I'm paying them back. So what do I do when I write the trailer off? Do I write it off as one whole, like, 48000 is what I paid for it. So is that what I write off all as one, or can I depreciate it throughout, like, two years? So you you have to depreciate it. It's not a matter of can you. You have to depreciate it. We have to put it into a depreciation schedule, and a depreciation schedule for a trailer is five years. You don't get to pick and choose. The IRS tells us what schedules are. For a tractor, it's three years. For a trailer, it's five. Now, there is a rule called the Section 179 that allows us to take any amount up to, uh, right now I think it's $500,000 or the purchase price of the vehicle. You can't write off more than what you spent, but you could take all the, the money and write it off in one year. Now, when you say, can I depreciate it? Well, you can, you kind of have to, then we can use that rule that does it all in one year, but we don't want to depreciate most of the time. Most of the time, we would much rather get our deduction up front as big as possible, as soon as possible. That keeps more money in our pocket rather than waiting five years to get our full deduction. But... That doesn't mean that we always use the full section 179 every time. The only answer to your question is, I would have to see this year's tax return in order to give you the best advice about how you should depreciate this truck or this trailer this time. It is always, when I do tax returns, and I don't really do them anymore, but when I did, depreciation was the last decision we made we would finish the entire tax return and then i would say here is your tax return 
if we put the truck into a basic five-year schedule, here's how much tax you owe this year. If we write it all off at once, here's how much tax you would owe. Or if we take $30,000 of the purchase price, we can get your tax return to zero. So it's the last thing we decide after everything else is done. Okay. Well, I guess what I can do is get everything written up and then um, send it over and see what we can see what the best suggestions should be. Yes. Is that what you you suggest to do? Yeah. And and I'm going to um, I'm going to plug my coaching program for a while here. We are in the middle of tax season and I can help a lot with tax decisions. If you're not sure if your accountant is up to speed on all of these issues, if you are in the coaching program, you would be able to submit your tax returns and questions to me and I'll go through the tax returns and I'll help you make the right decisions. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah, I'll get that. Yeah, I can get those over to you probably in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be working on that. Good. Um, then we, I can go from there. Um, uh, that's kind of all I had. Um, I did have one more. Now, I, I, I know we talked about uh, my fuel mileage on my truck since I do have a, uh, uh, whatever it's called, a, a septic. So um, now if I invest, let's say I don't know how much it's going to cost me for everything to, you know, get the the, the flow below and all that and the air dog um but if i'm looking at spending you know upwards of three thousand dollars is it really that worth it i mean technically thinking that i might make might buy another truck in the next year or so give, give me that scenario again so if i'm going to buy a new truck in the next i don't know year that's kind of my goal and i uh put all this stuff into my truck like the air dog and the, the flow below and all that is the benefit really going to be there enough for so we to can invest that kind of money th- there's and two ways there's two ways we would have to look at this one can we break even in the amount of time we're going to have the device or two can we transfer the device fairly easily and then have a, a return on investment the minute you put them on they start saving money so we are they when okay. will we at least break even and we would have to calculate that on each individual modification um, but then something like a flow below transfer so easy from one truck to another even the the air dog is a, a an easier install than a fast they do the same thing the air dog's just easier to install takes a lot less time and it's less complicated moving an yeah. air dog or an ops over it is maybe an hour or two of labor um so to me yeah uh, especially if you don't have an absolute timeline i might buy one in six months might be eight months um i, I would work to make the truck you have as efficient as possible Right. Is, is all that so now, hard to put now on? Let me, I mean, I'm not like let me go back and make another example. If you were to get a tune on this truck or think about getting a tune, um, that one we'd want to calculate carefully to make sure we're going to have a break-even because that's something we can't transfer from one truck to another. Right. Well, my whole thing is I don't really know what to do with this truck if I buy another truck because if I sell it, I'm not going to get much for it. So to me, it's just seems better just to keep it because in case i break down or something it's nice to have as a spare truck um and it i don't have a payment so i don't i don't i don't know why i would sell it and get like 15 or 20 for it when i could just keep it and then um, maybe many times of a dedicated truck for 
many times if you like localized if if you don't need the ten or fifteen thousand dollars and you have a place to conveniently keep an extra truck i think it's a great idea once i had multiple trucks i almost always kept a spare truck around there were times when i didn't for different reasons but there were also times where i absolutely just chose not to trade in a truck or sell it just keep it and i would keep it around as a spare so that can be a good strategy yes that was what i was thinking because then like i was more of thinking of buying i i get all these my these ideas and like okay so if i buy a, a new truck and, and completely spec it for flatbed keep this truck and then spec it for van or like kind of add some van stuff or and then, like, buy a van and do, like, show loads or, like, specialized van freight and then, like, have two different trucks to do two different things and then maybe hire a driver. Um, is that something that's a smart idea to do or is that something that's not really that It's not something idea? we're going to answer um, on a call like this. I have made the statement that the CMC program, Certified Master Carrier, the whole concept is I will teach you how to run run one truck as profitably as possible to squeeze every penny of profit out of one truck that you drive. Then the next big decision that has to be made is do you add another truck and hire a driver? And that is not something I could answer on a short radio call. That would require the coaching program, the CMC program. Buying the second truck, in my opinion, is a bigger decision than ever buying the first truck was. Yeah, well, I'm liking these new Volvos. I, I don't know. They look really nice, and they just I, – I see how – I just don't know how much they're going to be. That's my question is, like, if I'm going to really spend $200,000 on a truck, I mean, that's a lot of money. Not I can't just spend that without, like, not knowing that's, everything there's going to be. That That's that my truck. point, Austin. That's what I'm trying to tell you is that, that this is not an easy answer you're getting into much much deeper questions i gotta cut you loose you also had a ton of background noise there um we will move along we're gonna go north of the border this time brian welcome hello there kevin how are you doing good what can i help you with today kevin i can I kind of lost track with you over the years. I uh, used to listen to you a lot on XM. Miss you so much over there from Sirius XM. Well, welcome so back. I, I spent, uh, pardon me? I said, welcome back. This is a much better format well, anyway. Well, no no well, commercials. I spend more time with each caller. I like this a lot better. Very good. I'm going to have to get used to tuning in over here. Uh, download the app and get you here. I phoned and I talked to uh i don't know who it was and they told me to uh dial this number and get on so here i am perfect i've talked to you a few times over the years so the question is here i've been in an accident and my uh my western star is written off and i got a good settlement on it and i had ordered in a new volvo and i'm trying to make sure i make a good decision now the last time i heard you uh you were really uh, high on the new Volvos. You were really liking what they're doing. You went to their factory, and they you went. They sat down with you. You went through some of their stuff that they are building, the technology that they have in their trucks, the uh, uh, the you know the transmission and all the, all the things that they're doing. You were pretty impressed with them. So I I, I have that option. And I also have another option to rebuild one of my older trucks, a 1998 International. It's got a 12, 1270 Detroit in there. And 
I'm just trying to make this decision and make a wise, wise choice here. So this is one of those decisions that I, I like because I don't, uh, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I like decisions when there's no wrong answer. There's no real risk. Well, there is some risk, more risk in the new truck, actually, than the old one. Uh, but either way could work. So we really just have to dig a little deeper and find out in your situation which one makes more sense. I, I, I love the late 90s Detroit's, late 90s, early 2000s before emissions. Great engines, bulletproof, easy to work on. They don't have a lot of inherent problems. We can get good fuel economy out of them. So I, I'm a fan of still running those trucks. I, I love those engines. I'm also a huge fan of the new Volvos. Um, their, their engine architecture, their transmission options, their driveline options with their six by two setup. There is a, the new one is the aerodynamics are incredible. Uh, there is a lot to be said for those trucks, but clearly there's going to be more risk in spending $180,000 than spending $40,000. And, and that's that's the one right. difference in risk is just the amount of money we're spending. But it's also very possible to build a new Volvo that may get darn close to 10 miles to the gallon in a lot of operations. And, and that's a big, big factor. And the maintenance costs have come down on these when they're spec'd right. So the first right. decision we would make for you, and, and you just, I can kind of help you think it through, but you've got to decide which way do you want to go. Two very, very different ways. Uh, we know a lot about re- rebuilding that old Detroit, making that thing as fuel efficient as possible. We could help you with that. Um, we know a lot about specking the new Volvos right. I actually have a, uh, a co-host and a partner now who, um, he's either in Sweden right now or he's on his way. Um, he actually is working so close to the factory that he goes over to Sweden and works with them over there. Uh, he gets to test a lot of their new stuff before it even comes out. Um, Joel Morrow, he does my Friday show with me. So we could help you specifically on really setting up a Volvo for your operation and, you know, be talking about nine or 10 miles to the gallon. Um, I, I can help you a little bit on a format like this. We do have a new coaching program that I've started, a group coaching we meet once a week. Um, it's kind of similar to the radio show, and except it's a much smaller group, obviously. And if you're in the coaching program, I commit to just work with you until we solve a problem, not just like a random call here and there. Uh, it, we, we can just go much more in depth. You could call back on Friday. Um, we could go through some good specs on a Volvo. But if you, if you really want to deep dive into which one should you do and then how do you do it, you may want to think about the coaching program. Sure. Hey, Kevin, I had, uh, we had a, a, on this DD uh, 15 with my, uh, the Western Star that I had, I had a lot of problems with it last year, January, February. Had a lot of gremlins. I just started driving it. I got into it wondering why for the last three, two years that it was one of the worst in the fuel economy. Um, and the driver wouldn't give me good feedback. So uh, I went I went uh, hunting on a hunting trip, and then one of my drivers started driving my truck, and then he liked my truck so much that I had to get into a different truck, which was my other Western Star. Once I found, it, found a whole bunch of problems with it, why the fuel economy was so bad, 
and the engine light kept coming on, going on and off, on and off, and, and it would drop my power. It was awful to drive. It was terrible to drive. I, I, I even wanted to take it out in the bush and shoot it. It was so such an awful thing to drive until I got all the gremlins out of it. And then after that, the fuel economy came up, and it got decent to drive. But in that hard time, I looked at buying a Volvo, and I, they gave me a slot to buy a Volvo. I purchased, uh, well, uh, I put a deposit down, and I, I already did all the specs on it. And then the uh, flatbed market kind of took a dive. And then I was looking at all my family. We wanted to cancel it. We were going to cancel it. It just arrived in January. And uh, the week after that had arrived, then we rode off the Western Star. So now I'm back at making a decision going back to the Volvo, which Volvo's so, in the past. I had a 2014, which was a great truck for me. So here's here's what I would say just based on what I'm hearing. And like I said, I could help you with this, give you some advice on a regular call like this. We could sure. dig deeper. But I'm not sure if we need to. Um, if you're concerned enough to, that you almost canceled an order because the rates dropped and volumes dropped, um, I, I wouldn't buy a new truck right now. I would hold off at least another year. I, I, the, the, the next year coming is way too hard to predict what is going to happen. We're trying. Um, we just had Brent on with Rates and Lanes. We brought that show back. Um, we're really trying to figure out what is going to happen with this market. It, like I said, if if it's that much of a concern, and it should be, then this is probably not the time. I mean, I have some people that say, look, I've been saving for a new truck for three or four years. I've got the cash. Um, if I buy it and the, the market tanks, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but, but for a lot of people, it would be a big deal. And that new truck payment is... That's a big nut to swallow, and you've got a higher insurance cost, and there is risk there. So based on what I'm hearing right now, I'm leaning towards, I, if I were you, I would probably wait. I would rebuild that 12-7. Well, we're going back and forth on it. I have four children, and it would give me a little more freedom. I wouldn't have a heaviness of a payment. Um, I do have two trucks. I do have another uh, Peterbilt that I was going to put my driver onto the new truck and then my paid off Peterbilt, I would drive that so I could still have a little more freedom uh, in the summer to spend time, go fishing with my family and not having to be pushed out by a payment. On uh, a well, there, there's um, another factor. You're, you're talking me right into this. Rebuild so, the old one. All these things are considerations, you know? Yeah. Uh, based on what uh, I'm hearing, rebuild the old one. Yes. All right. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Yes. Uh, so you're, you used to have a Volvo, that Joe Merle, you were building a relationship with a Volvo guy. You were sending a whole bunch of people over. If anybody had questions to order a Volvo or programming a Volvo or tuning a Volvo, you had a guy that that's you Joel. recommended to go to. Is this the Joe Merle? That's, that's Joel. Yeah, Joel does my Friday show with me every week now. Okay. Good stuff. Yep. Appreciate you. We miss you. It's good to be talking to you again and hearing your voice again okay. and all that you do for everybody. I wish you the best this year. Hey. May it be the best year in our lives. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You too. And when you go get the app, um, you're going to have cool. like two years worth of shows to go back over if you want. Everything we've ever done really since we left uh, Sirius is on the app. Sounds good. If you're ever in Winnipeg, I should give you my number somewhere. You got to come over. 
He, I heard uh, you used to like Thai food. I don't know if you're still there. My wife I, is Thai. I love Thai. My uh, all my friends come running. Yeah, I love Thai yeah, food. Pardon me. I love Thai food. You love Thai food. Well, all my friends come running when we invite them over. So awesome. uh, she used to have a restaurant in Thailand, and so uh, she had great authentic Thai food. I may take you up on that. Good to have you back. Go get well, that app and uh, call in and uh, check in once in a while. You take care. All the best. All right. You too. Let's go to New Jersey. Danny, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon, Kevin. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, I, I want to try to stay coherent. I've called before, but I got uh, two specific questions. The first one, you know, in last in listening to uh, some of the last, I'm pretty sure it was last week's. Uh, what is your opinion on a Generac generator in case of a the grid going down? Uh, I guess the best way to answer that, that question would, 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 would is to, it, to tell you I own one. Would it work in in that case, though? Is you know, being that the grid went down, is there anything within? Um, the generator itself that would not work because of uh, the grid going down? That is the purpose of a generator, is to replace our grid. That's what provides our electricity because the grid went down. I think I might know what you're talking about. There are several ways we we know our grid could go down. Um, And it depends on how it went down, whether or not that could have an effect on our generator. So I'll tell you what all the factors are. If somebody, if another country, China, Iran, North Korea, we know they have been in our grid through the internet. We know that they're in there right now. We know they are. They're looking for vulnerabilities. They could find the potential to take down the grid through the internet. It happened in Syria last week. Somebody took down Syria's electrical grid and internet. It's happened in Ukraine. Russia's done it in Ukraine. It's happened here. It could happen worse. In that case, your generator is at no risk whatsoever, and it would work perfectly to replace your power as long as you have fuel to run it. Now, remember, if our grid goes down in a big area, that means no fuel, because how do we pump fuel out of the ground and get it into vehicles? It means no banking transactions, no credit card transactions. So if we have an extended period where you can't get propane, well, then your propane generator isn't going to do you a whole lot of good. Now, I have a thousand gallon propane tank buried. And I'm getting ready to put propane over on the homestead, and I'll do the same thing. I'll bury a 1,000-gallon tank. At some point, okay. that could run out. If you run out of propane, if you can't get it delivered, you're done. But you, you could get, right. I mean, I could get a month um, out of 1,000 gallons, maybe more. I've never done the calculations. If you monitor it and, you know, don't, don't leave the lights on all the time and run it constantly, you might right. get a month. Um, if okay. we have anything longer than a month, the whole world has changed anyway and everything is um, going to be different I, I, if you listen to the show I think you know me I like having plan A, B, C and D um, I, I do like to be really prepared so I, I have multiple backups for extended power outages uh, especially at the homestead that's the ideal place to be if 
the power were to go out. The first backup is the propane generator. I don't have one over there yet, but we're remodeling now, so I'm going to install one in a propane tank. That's the first backup. Okay. It, it's immediate. It's whole house. The power goes off. The generator comes on. Everything works. Um, I have one here, but then we expanded the house so big that the one generator that I have wouldn't cover the whole house here. I have to kind of manage it and switch things on and off as I need to. Um, If I were to run out of propane, the next backup is battery, electric generators, and solar panels. Now, these aren't nearly as good. You have to have a really big setup to run a whole house off of this kind of stuff. But I look at solar as the one option that I will potentially never run out of. The sun's not going to go away. So whereas I can't produce my own propane, I can't produce my own diesel, I can produce my own electricity through solar. So as long as I have enough solar and enough battery backup, I have a power option. Maybe it won't be big enough to run everything I need. It certainly wouldn't be here in this house. But over at the homestead, I can heat with wood. I can cook with wood. I really just need battery backup for my well pump, but I'm going to put in a hand pump as well. Um, And lights lights and outlets. So I don't need that big of a battery backup system. And ultimately, as long as I can keep those components working, I can produce my own electricity through solar. And then my third backup is... Um, I I am completely prepared and set up to live pretty comfortably without power if I have to. I, 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 uh, in listening for all the years that I have been listening, that's what, you know, I'm very, I, I envy you in a lot of ways, you know, because of your ability to work as hard as you've worked to create what you have created right now and still achieve, uh, what you have achieved by what you bring to the airways, as far as the single word would identify it as being prepared. If, if, and, I, um, were, if I had time to create a new show, like we're, we're adding some segments and things like that. If I had time to I, do a, a different show, right another show, two options for me that I would have a ball with. One, RVs and coaches. I just love that whole topic. So once in a while, I talk about that here. Um, but I, I would love to do a show on homesteading and prepping. I, I think it would be very beneficial. <laughs> you know, because I, I live here in North Jersey. And, you know, my last call, I, uh, I told you, I lost my leg because of, you know, I had to hip replace. Yeah, and I wasn't yeah. able to tell you. It started out uh, when I was in the hospital. I became allergic to heparin, which is the hospital uh, blood thinner, which translated into DIC, which I, I memorized it. It's disseminated intravenous coagulation. Yeah, blood and clots. From, you know, I, I mean, I'm pretty much a miracle that, you know, that I survived it, according to all the physicians down there at the hospital. But it, w- what I'm just uh, uh, saying, I, I spent, you know, six days a week, which I love, you know, pretty much 70 hours a week working and enjoying. And, you know, here I am here looking at things, you know, from the perspective, you know, trying to get, yeah, yeah, you know, th- th- your thought process is not um, an easy thought process that translates 
to a lot of others. And I'm just going to dovetail real quick to what you were speaking of, you know, speaking on what somebody else is doing. Yeah. Me growing up here, I'm 67 years old. The single word that described that was a rat. <laughs> right. right. You were encouraged. That. And, and because of what you brought to the airways that I'm, you know, I, I don't have the vocabulary to really say what I want to say, but you grew up and I'm going to go out on a limb. And if I'm over the line, just tell me you grew up in a household that was human, a uh, union, union minded. Oh, and that is a nice. certain process, you know, to where it's groupthink, basically. And I would just like to say anybody who's listening to this show, I would encourage you to understand, first off, that you're an individual. We're not talking about groupthink type. Um, what would be the word there, Kev? I mean, outcomes. There is no groupthink outcome to what you provide to these airways. Correct. It's the opposite. This is an individual, right. And, it, it, you know, I, I grew up here and I maneuvered in and out of what the Teamsters actually represented here. And, you know, it, 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 you know, it, it wasn't easy. And you know that because there, there were, and I'm going to, maybe Fred could understand this a little bit more, but there were five families that ruled from New York, the, the boroughs of New York that translated West. And it was that group think, you know, through unions in which they were absolutely necessary at a specific time period within, you know, the, the growing of this nation. And, you know, I, I just want to leave that there. But, I, you know, I have another question. My 21-year-old, which is my youngest, he, uh, when you were doing the Twitter spaces and all that, I had him get me, you know, an account with yeah. X. yeah. And I'm watching things. How do you, is there a, a way to determine what is actually legitimate to, to what you're watching? Is there any, like, you know what I mean? Because I, I'm looking, like, I'm looking at what's going on over in Europe with the farmers, with the protesting. Right. And it, are you uh, privy to any of that? No more so than anybody else, other than I probably do more digging to find uh -huh. reporting that isn't coming through the mainstream media. I tend to follow a right. lot of independent journalists. Um, I actually follow okay. a, uh, I guess she would be Dutch. She's from the Netherlands. Um, Eva, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce her last oh, name. Oh, yes, yes, yep. Um, I'm aware. Very young, uh, excellent reporter. Uh, she's completely independent. Fearless. And she does she a great job of covering what's going on, primarily in the Netherlands, but in other parts of Europe. Yeah. Um, so I follow a lot of independent journalists, and I tend to kind of mostly ignore what the mainstream media is reporting. I can't guarantee that they're right, but at least I feel like they're more honest and there isn't, um, the kind of agenda we see in the mainstream media today. Right. Well, I appreciate it. So basically what I'm looking at is pretty accurate then with, with the, um, it, 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 it with can the level be, of the protest. but yeah, it can be, but then I've also run across independent journalists who are, I swear they're insane. I, I mean, they come up with stuff that I can't verify anywhere else. And then I tend to worry. Uh -huh. If it's just one person saying it, I don't care how in-depth they tell me their reporting is. 
if, at some point, somebody else would pick up this story and it would become a real story. So you got to find the balance between, I know I don't believe the mainstream media. I do follow a lot of independent journalists, but, but you've got to do a lot of reading and a lot of thinking to make sure that you're not following some whack job too. Right. See, when I first started calling you, February was when, you know, I, I, I haven't been, well, the truck is up for sale right now, but my first call was the topic was critical thinking. And that, that is lost within our society. I have a 33 year old, I have a 30 year old and my 21 year old, he's a little bit closer to being able to do that than, than my two older ones. But that is very, and, and I attribute that to not see, I, I've always had a issue with the word we. You know, because we, it kind of squelches your individuality. To yeah, where, absolutely. It you know, does, you're yeah. Cut, yeah. And, you know, because of, you know, growing up over here, I mean, it, it, it was, I, I'm not going to say it was a little bit tougher than anywhere else, but you had to be a little bit more uh, aware so that you could. See, I've always paid attention to the rules so that I, I could maneuver within them. And, and stay under the radar. It, you know what I mean? Because I, I, I don't want to get into all stories, but, you know, I, I've been doing this stuff for just about 50 years. And for whatever reason, I have an ability to have markers in my memory to say, like I spoke with Bruce on, you know, and you attributed one of my calls that because I ask why, but after I ask why, I say, how and then i go back to when because you know that i i'm watching a process of things that you know and you bring it to the air and i don't want to get extreme but we're, we're in pretty much in a war right now and you know we just uh, and, and what i'm saying is any anybody who's listening right now if if you really want help and you want um to grow we and this is where i'm going to use the word we we need to support your hard work up to this point, which means go to the store, see what you think you need, and purchase. Well, I appreciate because, that. Because of, what Brett, because of what Brett brought to the air, what's going on in the Red Sea, that's real. Yeah, I heard is. last week, and I, it, it, it possibly could have, I mean, container rates went up uh, double, or is it more than double right now? It's at least double you know, right I heard now. That Right. And then, you know, there's not enough water in the Panama Canal. <laughs> I mean, we need to prepare. But you as an individual that and, I, and I'm going to go back to what I um, what I heard you say about your own life for you to be able to come out of. The, and, and this is not derogatory. Kev, that group think on what the union created. You know, I think it's, it's pretty extraordinary. Because you're pretty close to Cleveland, correct? Oh, I grew up 30 minutes from Cleveland. There you go. I mean, the, the, the five families controlled all the way out to Vegas. Yeah. I don't know if they made it west of Vegas. But if you were operating in between the five boroughs of New York City out to Las Vegas, you, you were, you know, you, you had control over top of you. You might not have recognized it, but... But right now they're they're not there. <laughs> but who replaced them? No, I, I the government. Yep, I get it. I know the government I, replaced them. Yep, 
All right, Danny, I got to move along. Good stuff as always. We're going to head off to Minnesota. Tom, welcome. Yeah, hey, Kevin. How's it going today? Good. What's on your mind? Good. Good. Nothing. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if you believe in polls and whatnot, but uh, California, they took a poll. It says asking if immigration was a serious problem. And uh, 25% of the people said, yes, of course it is. And then 75 said, uh, no, no crieso es un problema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, yeah, a little levity. Hey, so we I called, you were talking about, you know, the pandemic and, and, and all that stuff and vaccines a little bit earlier with somebody and reminded me of, uh, I don't listen to Alex Jones all the time. I'll kick him on there when I want to get real depressed, you know. And uh, apparently Denver Health, with the, with the, in cahoots with the government, is experimenting with the live Ebola um, vaccine on their own staff, right? It's not an M- MR, M- M- mRNA or whatever, you know, the, right. not the mRNA. It's a traditional vaccine. Uh, and then he's saying, you know, it's shedding like 35% of the time and, and uh, that type of thing. And then the uh, government, our government, is ordering 77 mil, or 55 million boxes of uh, latex or uh, uh, gloves, right? So uh, what, what comes next? Um, I don't know, but uh, that doesn't sound like a real good idea to me. But we'll see how that works out. Um, uh, yeah. And then... Uh, you know about about your um, the propane your propane um, uh, generator. Uh, great idea to have thirty days. You know that that would be great for the for the the homestead. Uh, not you know I mean and and but if the if the grid if an EMP hits and the grid goes out for thirty days, um, I don't think people even understand. You know because in about four days, five days, people are going to be. Um, Robin stealing from their best friends, and uh, in 30 days they're going to be eating one another. You it, know, so there's that. You know that the, you're right. It, it, if we truly have a grid down situation over a large area for an extended period of time, people have no idea how bad it will get. So the idea no. of you know, if I'm using a propane or a diesel generator, the idea that at some point I'm going to run out of diesel fuel, honestly, in my mind, is the least of my worries. Yeah. I, like I said, plan yeah, B but, but is... I love, I love the solar. Plan yeah, B I is to have solar. some solar. Yeah, and I know solar has some limitations yeah. depending on how many panels I, I want to buy. And I will tell you this, solar gets really expensive. If you if you try to cover well, all of your energy needs with solar and batteries, you are talking tens of thousands of dollars. There's no cheap way to do this. So I, I've got some limited solar. But then I also yeah. said the the ultimate plan is how do you get comfortable with just living without power? Because to me, if it gets to this point that we're talking about extended periods where I would have to worry about generating power for long periods of time, really the only answer is you're not going to generate much power for long periods of time. And you're going to have far bigger things to worry about than the power. 
Well, only thing you're going to need that 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 for is um, a, a light or two in the house because you won't want to turn it on because you're going to attract attention. I mean, that's sad to say, and your freezer to because um, you get you know, and that's going to run out pretty soon. But you can run your freezer off of a solar panel pretty quickly. And I was thinking, you know, and then I got to thinking, you know, what we're not really. What what we really didn't plan on is that neighbor that's going to come over and try to rob you. So I looked up Constantina wire, and um, I don't know for the Idaho house, I might not get uh, uh, some of that Constantina wire sort of like set up uh, be- between like my, my along my fence line. Yeah, because it looks like you can get like two hundred dollars of Constantina wire for. Uh, about uh, or a hundred foot for about two hundred bucks. Where it's still in the roll, where you know I I haven't figured out the math on it yet. Where where it's still, I mean that shit's hard to get through. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. But that might be a uh, that might be that might be something to uh, you know just for the for the pro- the immediate perimeter, not not to do your whole you know the the whole uh, 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 homestead type thing. You know, that, it, it, uh, it that might be uh, a way to go. It's fairly easy to. Pre- for a power outage and all we're really talking about that what we've experienced in powder out- outages is just convenience i mean we're not talking about anything dangerous yeah. nobody's gonna die because the power goes out uh, pretty rare that it happens Th- that's easy to protect against uh, one of the things sure. you know have you ever i'm sure you have um uh, the power goes out at two o'clock in the morning um but it wakes you up for whatever reason <laughs> your flashlight's never where you thought it was. You know, it's always that first hour where you realize I was nowhere near as prepared as I should have been for this. You know, a day later, the power goes back on, big deal. Um, It's easy to prepare for that kind of stuff. And and I think people should because it makes it a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot more comfortable and convenient. But then that's the first step towards, okay, what am I going to do if this goes on? Here's one of the things I just did over at the the homestead property. Uh, Every room over in the homestead has backup light bulbs. They now make light bulbs that have batteries in the bulb itself. And no, I didn't know that. You screw these in, and it's the standard old-style light bulb like we're all used to. So I, I, all my fixtures are going to be those bulbs. I'm going to get rid of most of my LEDs. Uh, so you screw these things in, and they work just like a regular light. Turn the switch on, light comes on. If the power goes out, they come on. And then, and then how do you – And they're, so they're battery-operated – and and that see there there you go so so with your solar generator because all your like the big Q, the old Q beams and stuff um, they're really powerful nowadays but they're all you plug them in to to an outlet so your solar charger would be perfect for just if it's just for those those type of light bulbs your handheld Q beam lights uh, lights like that. Yeah, um, well, these and well, you can get one of those what six, seven hundred bucks. Some of these bulbs have like eight-hour um, run times on them, and again, it, it's that first initial inconvenience. The power goes off, you can't see, nothing's where you thought it was. You're not as prepared. It, the idea of if the power goes out at two o'clock in the morning, a, at least one light comes on in every room of the house and could potentially burn for up to eight hours of run time. That allows me to go do a lot of other things to kind of prepare if this is going to be extended. So, like I said, I, I have tons yeah. of these ideas, and um, 
I, if I were to ever do another segment, I would have a lot of fun with a segment like prepping and homesteading. Yeah, no, that would be that, that, that would, that's not a bad idea at all. And then, you know, like you say, as, as soon as you think you're prepared, um, you're prepared just to realize that you weren't, you weren't, you weren't properly prepared. So, but the canning and all that, but it's, it's, if, if it is, if it is a, a 30 day, you know, or, or, because we can't replace the transformers. They're made in Korea, in, 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 uh, in Germany. China. And, it, and the, the lead time on them, yeah, well, they, well, I don't even know if China makes many of them, but, uh, the lead time's six, eight months. You know, and at, six, at what point, you know. Well, and you have to remember, that's six to eight months in a normal world. Right. If we need right. new transformers, there's nothing normal about the world at all. What a, and an EMP will take out every single one of them. Then what? Well, I'm I'm kind of intrigued. I'm trying to get this company to come on the air with me, the, the company that makes these EMP shields for the vehicles and the generators. Like the Faraday bags for a car? Well, it's different. It doesn't work like a Faraday bag does, because technically in a oh, Faraday... the one you were talking about that was right, right. The one you were talking about that goes on in like 0.8 tenths of a billionth of a second or something? Yeah, it, it discharges the power. It disconnects the device and, and discharges the power away from it. And seriously, I mean, I, I, unless it's a total scam and it doesn't look like it... They've had testing with the DODs, you know, testing procedures, and uh, it looks like this is a legitimate technology and that it should work. The Part of the problem is it's really hard to test an EMP because we can't let off an EMP. You, you gotta... You can't let off a, a, nuclear, a nuclear bomb, you know, about right. three miles in the Right, in the so atmosphere. we have to... We have to yeah. simulate what would happen during an EMP and hope that it, that that's correct. Um, and these devices aren't that expensive. It, it, they make one like specifically for a car. They make one specifically for an RV. They make one for a whole house generators like I have. So your generator doesn't get fried. Um, they're under four hundred dollars each. Wow. I mean, just, I mean, what, what sense does it have to have a $6,000 Generac with uh, all that propane if it's not going to run, you know, when, when, when you need it? Well, one of the things I'm, I'm doing, again, getting prepared, um, is if we had some sort of a widespread EMP that took out vehicles, having a working vehicle would be pretty valuable. It also becomes a pretty big target, but, <laughs> but I'm looking at that. You yeah, know, there's... That's um, my issue. I, I've I'm got an eighty-five. I've got an eighty-five four-wheel drive with a six-nine diesel. I mean, it it has absolutely. It 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 doesn't have any electronics, really. You know what I mean? Well, it, it doesn't. Uh, and I'll tell you, but I don't know what the batteries. My my everyday vehicle and what I use mostly out on the homestead right now is my FJ. Well, my FJ is all electronic. I mean, it's an 07. It's old, but it's still all right. electronic. I am seriously considering trading that for exactly what you have. I want an early to mid eighties yeah. uh, diesel pickup with a Cummins in it, no electronics. Yeah, you get that that old Cummins. That that, that old Cummins is worth more than the darn trucks nowadays. Some of those old uh, what, what are they? The twelve valve or six valve? I, I forget what they are. The the um, the early Cummins that went in the Dodges. The, yeah, I'd love to have the nineties. Yeah, but those those yeah the motor itself's worth you know six thousand dollars if it's blown yeah uh, yeah those things are, are you know that's their way out there 
Yeah. And then that's why, because, you know, they're bulletproof. Yeah. So literally the, the only V I was thinking about this. The only vehicle I actually own that isn't electronic is that 1972 farm tractor. I got with the homestead. The tractor. Yeah. Don't, don't think, don't, don't think you won't be riding that tractor to town. You're not I, kidding. I can see you now. That's right. Yeah. You got a couple, a uh, couple jerry cans on each side strapped on there and we yeah. <laughs> That's Hope right. Kevin goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother man. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. good. Thank you, man. Talk to you All soon. Right. Okay. All right. Let's go to uh last call of the day. We're gonna wrap it up after this one. We're gonna go to Pennsylvania. Harold, welcome. After those last two calls, I don't know. I, I feel like a lightweight here, but I just wanted to comment on the guy taking the the cardio miracle and the the supplement he was taking. If probably he would take that with some food, it would work much much better. I've been taking vitamins now for forty years, and I take more than you like me to take. But I've stayed healthy for a long time doing it, uh, along with changes in diet that you've recommended. Um, uh, my kids, if they take the vitamins on an empty stomach, they get sick and throw up just like he did. So I just want to comment on thought. that. Yeah, no, that, that's a good thought. He should definitely try um, the Cardio Miracle, maybe start drinking it a half hour after a meal. Right. What I've started doing is carrying pickles in here, and after I take my vitamins, I'll eat a pickle just to kind of flush out the uh, esophagus area, you know, everything down to the stomach. It cleans everything out, and plus it gives it a little something to work with there as it's going into the system. But uh, I'm not a... I'm not crazy about the cardio miracle taste because I don't like cilantro, but I'm still doing it. But <laughs> have you tried the, the apple cider the, vinegar? The, you know, I haven't tried it in the cardio miracle. I've tried it before with some baking soda, and that was a little hard for me to take too. But I need to try it again. I know some people have mixed it, the, and it, they said it helped a little bit. Yeah, the baking soda is actually the opposite. Baking soda is base. I we want acidity to, to kind of counter that that sweet taste. Cardio Miracle on its own is way too sweet for me, uh, and I don't even it. It's it not like very, I get it is very sweet. <laughs> I don't get the weird sweet taste that bothers me like I would with you know an artificial sweetener. It's just too sweet, and the the acidity of the apple cider vinegar really cuts that sweetness. Uh, I'll have to try that again. Uh, I've got another comment. Uh, two two Fridays ago, our friend that hates brokers called in, yeah. and he was wanting to trade his PACRN because he didn't have an APU on there, and he was talking about spending $40,000 to put one on, which is way too much. Uh, the electric APU for the air conditioning, and then an SPAR heater could be put on for probably around ten grand there, the uh at, with tom at electricapu.com plus he was talking about getting rid of the truck because he had needed to replace an oil pan and i'm thinking no 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 i wanted to reach through the phone and gra- through the radio and grab him and say wake up you don't need to- no replace the oil pan and keep going yeah yeah exactly i don't i know you guys were getting frustrated with him on that, <laughs> on that call there i think i think i think uh that was on the friday call so you had joel and everybody in there at the same time but but uh yeah you don't need to replace a truck because you got a bad oil pan exactly yeah but 
Anyway, well, it was a great show today. You got some interesting perspective on a lot of things, and uh, uh, I love hearing, hearing all that after listening to you since 07. So always appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Appreciate the call. We are going to wrap this up for the day. Uh, I'm going to go work on CMC material. It's a big part of what I do. Uh, And we'll see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.